Alan. I quite like the idea that a football player, and I really couldn't give a forex about football, gets fined for showing his pants. And the reason is because he was paid money by the sponsor. That's what it was. That's what footballers do now. They'll sell themselves down the river. They couldn't give a forex about it. They just want to rake in as much money as possible. So here is the, uh, the footballer. He's uh, a Denmark striker, Danish striker. His name's uh, Niklas uh, Bentner. And he was fined 80,000 quid because at a point during the game, he lifts up his top to show the top of his pants, which are sponsored by Paddy Power. OK, they fine him 80,000 quid because quite clearly Bentner is bent. He's taking money on the backhander. He's being paid to, uh, to, to, to sort of do, do paddy power. I mean, to be honest with you, you might as well just come right out, hold a big sign going paddy power, take your 50 grand and walk away from it. So anyway, UEFA have fined him 50 grand, which I think is, is fair enough. To be honest with you, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me. Footballers earn a small fortune. It's peanuts. I should imagine he might have got a hundred grand. At some point, lift your top up, show your pants. Is it illegal? Of course it is. You know what the rules are. You're either very stupid, but you've paid the price. Anyway, Rio Ferdinand's jumped in on the bandwagon. He's tweeted, saying, UEFA, are you for real? £80,000 fine for Bentner for underwear advertising. All of the racism fines together don't even add up to that. It's completely separate. It's got nothing to do with racism. It's got nothing to do with racism. This is to do with something illegal. Racism has, has got nothing to do with pants advertising. And quite clearly it's gone on a bit because we've seen Beckham over the years, haven't we, lifting up his top to show the... Uh, the, the, the I mean, I don't know whether or not the, these people get paid money for these kind of things. I can't now separate what is paid advertising and what's freebie. I do know that Paddy Power don't make underpants. So I'm assuming that Bentner is as bent as we think he is and he's taken the, the filthy lucre and he's paid the price for it. Stupid man, stupid, you know, stupid footballer. You know the rules, you break them, you get... I mean, he didn't seriously think he was going to get away with it, did he? I mean, you can't be that thick as football. Sure, you can't be. Footballers can't be that dumb, can they? Really? I mean, footballers, sort of intelligent people. They wouldn't waste £30,000 having two bits of cotton stapled to the top of their head, would they? They they wouldn't be that daft. They wouldn't be that... No, of course. Footballers are sensible people. They've got class. They wouldn't have houses covered all in Versace and and send their their birds out, you know, to get loads of very expensive clothes which they can't wear anywhere. Talking of that, you've got Ascot coming up. Luckily, the style police are out. It's to keep the chavs out. We don't want a, a rerun of Aintree, which is who let the dogs out on a grand scale. Aintree is possibly... The worst case of fashion that I've ever seen. I was at Waterloo Station last year, and you don't want to get on any trains with the chavs going to Ascot. There was one man, his whole face was tattooed, wearing a suit, going off to Ascot. And you look at him and you think, I don't think the Queen wants to see people like you there, I'm afraid. I think you're a very poor example. Very poor example. But they, they've decided this year they're going to cut down. No short mini skirts. So any of the old brasses going up there, hoping to score a little bit of rumpy-pumpy in the car parks? That's out. Uh, bare shoulders? Out. You will have to wear a pashmina. So if you don't, they'll give you one to wear. And it might clash with your outfit. OK? And luckily they have the right to say you're not coming in. Because it's gone so down market over the years. Ask it now. Normal people stay away. It's all the chavs and the old bikies who are out there. You know, the people who've got bicycles and they park them in the car park. Dreadful pit. They turn up, all the drunk girls on the train. It is like an outing of the Jeremy Kyle show. It's that vile down there. So the sooner they smarten it up, the happier we will all be. And then we can all be happy bunnies. 
And then we can all go, look at Ascot, look, the Queen looks lovely. Oh, God, a chav crept in. You don't want anything like Cheryl Cole creeping in down there, do you? One of the columnists today has written about Cheryl Cole. You know, everybody's getting very excited. Cheryl Cole's number one in the charts. There are 70 million of us in this country. To get to number one, you need to sell 152,000 copies. Not even a quarter of a million people bought it. And one columnist said, who are these people who buy this record? Who are they? And I go, they're all the fat birds off the Jeremy Kyle show. Because you've got, way well, yeah, Cheryl, she's one of ours. Which is great, isn't it? I see Cheryl's cousin or something. I think her, Cheryl's brother is the stepfather to this girl who pitches up on the, uh, the X Factor. Can't sing for toffee. Bit like, bit like Cheryl, I suppose. You know, she's quite nice. Cheryl's quite pleasant. Looks good. You know, opens her mouth and sounds a bit like a navvy. Can't sing for toffee. But it doesn't matter. It's the fact that at the moment she's like, darling, she's like God. Okay, Cheryl is like God. People worshipping at the altar of Cheryl. Uh, in exactly the same way that people worshipped at the altar of Katie Price. Deluded. Sad. Sad, sad, lonely people. Cheryl, uh, sorry, Katie Price in tonight's episode. They're so desperate. They sent me the press release last night. What are they going to do tonight? What do you think Katie Price has got a fear of? Apart from looking even more haggard when she looks in the mirror. No, she's got a fear of water. And apparently she's never been able to go swimming with her children. So luckily tonight, in an effort to prop up the flagging ratings, they've decided to bring in somebody who's going to cure her of her her fear of water, which she's had for 15 years. Oh, makes your heart bleed, doesn't it, really, I suppose? You sort of think, I've never noticed that in any of the things. I've never noticed when she's been in the bathroom with Harvey and the film crew filming him in his bath. I've never sort of thought to myself, oh, look, she's got a fear of water. I've never thought that. I don't know why, I've just sort of, I sort of looked at her, and she's never mentioned it before. Luckily, she's managed to find something to talk about. Oh, I was so grateful. I got so worried. In fact, there's, there's another story in the paper today, and you'll, you, you will be so grateful as well when, when you discover that Kelly Brook apparently doesn't like her, her, her body and apparently used to get bullied about it. Oh, thank God you found something else to talk about. Thank God you... I was so worried that you might have been too perfect. I'm also slightly worried by Tom Maynard. So he's driving erratically in his car... The police pull him, he gets out and he runs and he doesn't hear the train. So he gets hit by a train. His body was found 55 minutes later on the tracks near Wimbledon Station, Wimbledon Park Station. I mean, quite clearly, when I heard this story yesterday, I was stunned because, A, I'd never heard of him and, B, I couldn't understand why somebody would run into the path of a, of a train. The trains had only just started, I think. This was something like 4.15 in the morning. So they were only just coming out of sidings. So it wouldn't have been going very fast... Unless he fell over or got trouble, we don't know. Hopefully they will, uh, they will be sort of checking and, and finding out exactly, because people are, are st- as you are, whenever you read, the lead singer of the Flying, flying Pickets has, uh, has died at the age of 65. Not very old, is it? Not very old at all nowadays, it's dreadful. And then the woman who, who, who killed her, her children, and you look at a picture of her, she looks as mad as a fruitcake. She's, she's got that look about her, uh, which is that woman who was prosecuted during the riots. She was driving the getaway car. Do you remember? She hawked Mummy and Daddy into court and was going, okay, you know, I like didn't know what I was doing. The fact she had nicked tellies in the car and was driving these gangsters around while they robbed the place. She had that same kind of look. It's that kind of, I don't know where I am. I need medication very quickly. And this woman smothered the children. She's turned up in court and you look at her and you think, Perhaps, you, perhaps you, you could just look at people now and know that they're not all there in, in the brain department. Quite clearly, she's something missing. I don't know why, you know, but uh, just very, very, 
Very dreary. I love Boris Johnson. He says, I love the city, London. He said, there are so many more girls to choose from. There so are. There are so many girls. So many girls. Some who used to be boys. And uh, there are lots of people to choose from from Boris. So that's very good, isn't it? I like that idea. But the, but the thing that really cheered me today... And I almost predicted it on the programme. And you know that we actually predicted it on the programme because we were one of those being very vociferous. The Voice. The entire tour has been cancelled. Every single date. Why? Because they only sold about five tickets. And unfortunately, they couldn't rip... Sorry, they couldn't uh, actually manage to make any money on it. So the BBC have decided to cancel the whole Voice tour. I've never heard of it in my entire life. You know why? I mean, somebody must have been stupid to book a tour in. They paid £22 million for that piece of garbage on the television. £22 million of your money. Head should roll. Head should roll. And what did Mr Thompson say? I love him. He goes, I think it was a very good programme. Quite clearly weren't watching the rubbish we were watching on the television, I'm afraid. It was ghastly. In fact, it was so ghastly, the public have voted. Not only have they stayed away from the television programme, but they've not bought tickets for the show. You didn't seriously think, did you, that people were going to buy tickets for that garbage? I couldn't even name you three people on the programme. I'm sure there's some people who could. But unfortunately, weren't enough of you to buy tickets. So they've cancelled everything. The cost alone of that will be astronomical. All the people have to get their money back. So, in fact, the programme has been an unmitigated disaster. Which kind of pleases me. Because it was frankly rubbish. Will I am a buffoon of the First Order. What is he? What is he? You ask yourself. You look at this sort of strange little mannequin dressed up. And you apparently describes himself as asexual. That's generally somebody who can't quite make up their mind on something. I mean, I'm looking at the clothes and I'm thinking, it's a bit camp. It's a bit camp. He's best friends with Cheryl. I mean, Cheryl looks like she's got a lot of, let's just call them, not as butch kind of male friends as most other pop stars. You know, she has to say that because then she can appear at G.A.Y. Because if you appear at G.A.Y., Jeremy Joseph will will line your your pockets with about £15,000 in cash. Which is quite nice, isn't it? It's nice if you can get it, Cheryl. And just, you know, go like, because I love gay people. You know, the, oh, they're just marvellous. They just love gay people. They're just so funny, aren't they? Bit like your family, love. Bit like them. And nice to see that you were attempting to sing down there. I wouldn't bother again. How you're ever going to manage a tour, love, is totally beyond me. You can barely manage one dance number without looking completely knackered. So the idea that you're going to do a whole thing. But anyway, so the voice tour, cancelled. If you, if you did buy a ticket, no, 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 no. Who was Dumbo, eh? Who bought a ticket for that pile of rubbish? Ridiculous. Apparently, they've, uh, they've now said that uh, the voice chiefs would learn from the experience of the first series. I'm sorry, have we just come into television? The, the voice producers would learn from the experience of the first series. Uh, we could have told you first off that it wasn't going to work. You could have asked a three-year-old in the playground, do you want to see Tom Jones? Who? Do you want to see Jesse J? Who? Lesbian. Singer. Very good singer, but nobody knows who she is. Do you want to see Will I Am? It's really William, but Will I Am, because it makes him look a bit more pretentious. Eh? Exactly. And that's your audience, Mr Cohen, and they switched off in their droves. They weren't remotely interested. It's just another singing competition. It's no good jumping on the bandwagon that Simon Cowell created years ago, because he does it bigger, he does it better, and he wipes the floor with you. And it's about time that the BBC learnt to roll over and get its tummy tickled, because you're cocked up big time. This is LBC 97. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. just trying to think. I'm, re- I'm so sorry for my outburst about The Voice. I'm so sorry that you're not going to get the opportunity to see about eight well-known has-beens. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Dreadful, it really is. But anyway, what are they going to do now? So I have to go back to, um, can I take your order? Fry, you want fries with that? Thank you. That's just about the uh, the standard. <laughs> 84850, uk. Nice to have your company. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. I mean, I, I, I don't like to sort of kick people when they're down. You know, I think I think it's just absolutely lovely. I think it's absolutely lovely. And uh, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, incidentally, for joining us this morning. It's nice to know the audience gets bigger almost on a daily basis. We're so very happy. Somebody said, well done for the Paddy Power advert. You're very welcome, but I got paid 30 grand for that. So if, 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 I, if I wove it in and took a bit of... You don't mind that. Come on. It's only radio. It's only radio. I can get away with that. Come on. I'm not a footballer. So I'm, I'm just doing it for cash. OK, don't, don't, don't say anything. I'll be in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble. Apparently, uh, Escott's not the same without Gertrude Schilling. Gertrude Schilling died about 500 years ago. Don't be so ridiculous. Of course, Ascot is better without Gertrude Schilling. She was, she was just a bewildered old bag who turned up with these lovely hats. You know, some of them were funny, some of them weren't. But she was famous. But it was like 500 years ago. So when somebody says it's not the same without her, don't be ridiculous. Goodness sake. I love the picture of the um, Duchess of... Uh, who we got here? Oh, we got Camilla, uh, Sophie and Kate, all wearing practically identical outfits. Cream was the order of the day. Very nice indeed and very expensive. I'd love to know the combined value of these things. I see the Environment Minister, Caroline Spellman, has called her bodybuilding son from Brazil to order him to remove, to remove a YouTube video. He put one on of him doing bodybuilding the other day. He's a rather stupid boy. You remember him because um, his, uh, his parents were kicking him out, so he said, and he needed to do it so he could earn some extra money. Uh, he took banned substances. He's a rugby player. He's a very stupid, not very intelligent person. And now he's turned to bodybuilding and looks even more ridiculous because he's coated himself in what can only be described as bisto and looks this rather... Be- Why is it bodybuilders... God knows they're ugly at the best of times. But why they cover themselves? Most of them... Have you seen a... You can always spot a bodybuilder walking down the street. They cannot clamp their legs together. Their legs are so fat, they walk like triangles. They're a little bit... They sort of walk side to side. They're a little bit like weebles. You remember weebles? They wobble, but they don't fall down. They're a bit like that. Only they're... Whenever they do bodybuilding, they cover themselves in creosote. And they stand there, and then somebody goes, OK, and then they go... Like that. And their muscles bulk. I mean, I, I do it on a daily basis, for God's sake. But, I mean, who cares? Nobody's bothered, are they? You know, I, I go to the gym. I do my weights. You know, lift one pint here and another pint there. They uh, just about manage that. Ooh, and then we can squeeze another drink in. And, uh, and, 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 and they just look odd. They look odd. So, if you look at the picture of this poor 17-year-old... His, his parents are quite upset. He said he's done it for money. He just looks ridiculous. He looks as unattractive as Jodie Marsh. And God knows, once you get to that end of the spectrum, you've kind of really plumbed the depths, haven't you? It's a little bit of a shame. 84850, uk, And it's 0845 Matthew tells me the Olympic torch is coming to Knaresborough today. I, I couldn't care less. I couldn't be less interested in the Olympic torch. You need to get a life, I'm afraid. It's just, I mean, I, I, I ran up and down my road yesterday with a lighter and nobody cheered, nobody clapped or anything. I'm wearing my little, my little England shorts, Paddy Power at the top, and because uh, I was sponsored. And I'm running up and down and nobody said a dicky bird. Nobody said a dicky bird. So, you know, I don't know why we bother, really. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um... 
thank you, Trevor in Kingston, about Will I Am. He's very odd, isn't he? I mean, I watched him. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I think he's, an, he's another American who's come over here and we're kind of stuck with him. A little bit like Lancy Delusions, an Italian who's lost her way somewhere. Somewhere about Regent's Park, I thought. And then we're kind of stuck with her. You feel like saying, why don't you just get on a plane and go home, dear? There's, we're not interested in you. It's, we, was, we were having a, a bit of a dig the other day at poor old um, Katie Jordan. And uh, loves her children. OK, not as much as Peter Andre. Loves the same children. And it's just that Peter Andre puts them on his programme and she doesn't. OK, thought we'd establish that now. And, um, and she, she was on the programme. And all the time on the programme, she's going on about, are, are, are the paps out there? Can somebody explain to this poor, delusional, faded old has-been that the paparazzi are not remotely interested in Jordan ever again? They're interested, lovey, if, if you phone them up and say, I'm going to be doing a photo shoot here. But apart from that, nobody's interested. OK, just kind of get over yourself. The, the programme's dying today. Not as bad as the Mark Wright programme. We mentioned it yesterday. This is delusional Mark Wright, described as one, in one paper yesterday as thick as a plank, and uh, in another paper as how deluded you have to be to think you have an entourage of five... In fact, somebody described it as a gay, as a gay club on the move. It was really ridiculous. Nothing was going on in Mark Wright's life at all. There's a huge piece. I think Jim Shelley's done a huge piece today, saying it is the biggest pile of rubbish he has ever seen on television. How this man, who's so deluded, thinks he's ever going to be an actor when he can't even speak, he said, is just beyond reason. Uh, Lynn says, only good thing about the voice was our very own Sir Tom. Hope he keeps away if they do another series. I think they... Well, put way, they will do another series, and I'll tell you why they'll do another series. They've paid 22 million quid for it. They're not going to throw away 22 million on one series. They have the rights to do it again, so they will do it. It'll be a bigger pile of rubbish as it was first time round, because the format's been done. It's a singing competition. Whether you've got judges who go, oh, we, uh, you know, we can't actually see you, we can just listen to your voice, is rubbish. That's just pants. You might as well just employ blind people. They'll be far more in tune with what's going on and can tell you who can sing and who can't sing. You know, as opposed to putting poor old Sir Tom on there. Bless his heart. Somebody said, oh, Tom, you're going to be on the, on the television. Really? Fantastic. In a Welsh accent. And he then goes on to the television. Because, I mean, Tom's not the brightest penny in the box. I think we're all aware of that over the years. Read any books on him. He's very nice, but he's, he's a bit simple. And somebody obviously said to him, listen, you can make a bit of money on this. You know, there could be like 300,000 quid or whatever it is in it. And you can do it and you'll be back on the television. You get loads of publicity. You can launch your new single and album on there. So that's exactly what he's done. When the programme comes back, which it will... It'll be the same pile of rubbish it was first time round, because there's a limit to how many of these singers there are out there. And as you've discovered from The Voice, the person who won it couldn't even, she couldn't even hit the charts. They couldn't even sell out a tour with all that publicity of the BBC. That's how desperate it is. So as opposed to just cancelling a couple, they've cancelled the entire tour. Their ticket sales must have been diabolical. You know, I mean, you can understand it. If it was, say, like... I remember when I, when I played the Fairfield Halls in Croydon a couple of years ago, I, I sold out, <laughs> you know, as one would expect. And so we had 1,800 people, with people paid to sit in the aisles and things like that. Unfortunately, in the theatre next door, the Ashcroft, which holds about 800 people, a very well-known artist, I'm not going to say who it is, only managed to sell 200 seats and had to cancel. Petula Clark couldn't sell out the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. They had to curtain off the top bit and half the back area, and they didn't tell her. Because when you come on stage, you can't see. I knew from the noise that we'd sold... Well, I knew we'd sold the whole place out anyway. Twice. And so when you get a show like The Voice, which gets loads of coverage on the BBC and a free advert 
every week and free advert, you know, papers and all the rest of it, you think to yourself, they're bound to sell out. Quite clearly, you, the British public, weren't remotely interested. Weren't remotely interested. 84850, steve at uk. Christine says, I've probably woken up half my neighbours by shouting, yeah, when you mentioned the predicted voice. Screwed up big time. Yes, I mean, they did. What they did, and, and unfortunately for them, they've, um, they underestimated the audience. And you should never, ever underestimate the audience. You should never, ever treat them like they're idiots. You put rubbish on the television, we know. You know, now people are wise to it. Would you like to call this number? It's like all these um, shopping channels, which I, I do sit down and I flick through in the afternoon. You know, after I've watered the hanging baskets, which seems to take like forever, I then sort of settle back, do myself, you know, uh, something nice to eat, nice cup of tea, and, uh, and watch the television. And I'm flicking through. I'm trying to find a shopping channel. And I'm trying to find the jewellery channels because they are selling the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen anywhere. It's really good. And then I, I flipped onto an old antiques roadshow and it turned out the man who was valuing uh, had tried to bid for an item. But he'd seen it on the internet and he thought it was very old, he said. And he suddenly realised that you cannot buy antiques on the internet. Because you need to see the item and to feel it to find out whether it's genuine. He said, and this box, he said to this man, he said, I, he said, I know where you bought it. He said, because I bid for it as well, but you beat me. You beat me. And so the bloke went, I can't believe it. And he said, yes, yeah, seriously. He said, I, I even know what you paid for it. He said, but I'm telling you, it's modern. This is made modern. He said, it's beautifully carved and it's wonderful, but it's modern. And the bloke went, oh... It doesn't matter, he said, because whatever you paid for it, he said, the £300, he said, it was worth it because it's, it's, a, it's a nice piece. It's a quality piece. And in the future, then they showed a piece of silver this morning. And the bloke said, she said, now, here's, here's an interesting thing. Georgian silver. He said, here is a lovely Georgian silver bowl. He said, but it's not. He said, the only thing that is Georgian about this is the bottom bit with the stamp on it. The rest of it is cheap after put on. So they then sell it as a Georgian bowl, but only the bottom bit with the hallmark, is Georgian. He said, the rest of it is fake. And it was totally allowed. Totally allowed. And it's and it can be spotted by some dealers. Some people try and... If, if they've bought it by mistake, they try and offload it as quick as possible. It's quite a normal thing, apparently, I'm told. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the best bit of the voice was the turning of the chairs afterwards. The rest of it was boring. Well, you you proved it. The audience figures dropped off. The only, the only time it ever got a decent audience was when it was the last one. And people went, yeah, yeah, it's the last one, which is great. Katie Harris says, what's happened to The Voice? Uh, well, the, the tour's been cancelled. So, I mean, I do apologise. If you've bought tickets for, for The Voice, um, you have to go back to point of sale and they will refund your money. And next time, don't be so silly, all right? Don't buy tickets for it. It's a silly little tour with a lot of silly little people who can't even get in the charts. Don't waste your money. You'd be better off going down to Trafalgar Square and talking to a living statue. You know, giving them a fiver. No, don't, please don't give them a fiver. Don't give them any money at all. They're, they're people who aren't all there, aren't they? Barking mad, half of them, sitting there. There's one bloke painted himself gold. They all look a bit worrying, I'm afraid, to me. So anyway, so good news about that. Uh, we've done the stupid sun. Um, oh, yes, and... Oh, dear. I'm sorry. Can I be the first one to say to Melanie Sykes, why don't you grow up, OK? Walking down the street, dear, at 41 with your boyfriend... Old enough to be your son at 26. And um, he's... Uh, I don't know who he is. She, she's apparently a model and TV presenter. Luckily, there was a... Do you remember she tweeted a picture of herself in Basque and Stockings? Hmm. 
A uh, lot of people like that. A lot of people thought, you know, really you should cover up at your age, because uh, she just looked a bit emaciated, I'm afraid. There wasn't much meat on that turkey drumstick, let me tell you. And uh, anyway, she pitched up in town yesterday wearing a little tiny pair of shorts. I mean, Mel, you're 41. Grow up, for God's sake. Really, it's, it's, it, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look at all, I'm afraid. Not a good look. I didn't like that, uh, that tennis player. Was it Nal- Nalbadian? who kicked that linesman and drew blood. Mind you, I didn't like the look of the linesman either. I'd have kicked him as well. But, but it drew blood. Felt a bit sorry for the poor soul, actually. But they like that tennis player. It's about time we got a bit more action in tennis. It's so dull, isn't it? Three, four, oh, backwards and forwards. It's LBC 97.3, four thirty. the news headlines, it's Rupert Bartier. Thanks, Steve. It's claimed almost 7 million adults working full-time are struggling. On my side as well, and blasted the BBC's coverage of the Jubilee boat pageant, saying it left him angry and rattled. He says, I get very angry and got very angry when the Queen was wrongly called Her Royal Highness and the presenters were vague on facts. That was putting it politely. That was, um, that was the, uh, the former Blue Peter presenter, Matt Baker, who didn't have the faintest idea how to dress the Queen. I mean, how shameful is that in this day and age? You know, he can, he can probably put together a noose for sort of catching a rabbit or something, but unfortunately he hasn't got the faintest idea on anything else. 2,425 complaints about the coverage on the BBC. And, um, and, and, and of course, the BBC, well, you know, we don't care. So what, could, what could you do about it? You're just peasants. Nothing at all. But, uh, I see that uh, Alan's back with a new series on ITV called Love Your Garden. Interestingly enough, they're bringing back Mr and Mrs... I don't know why. It was rubbish first time round. But it's uh, with Fern Britton and Philip Schofield. This time round, just Philip Schofield. No no Fern Britton. No, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm a big fan of Fern Britton. She was the only thing worth watching on there. We don't want to see Pip Schofield on yet another blooming programme. I mean, what is it? Is it dominant? It's a bit like Claire Balding on the BBC. It's like uh, Pip, who, who works for ITV, is on every programme. This morning, the coverage, the jubilee, the this, the that... You know, the cube, now this, now... And you're thinking, give it a rest, mate. Give it a rest. I mean, give it to Mark Wright. Let's watch him really hang himself. You know, make it more interesting. So I'm glad that Alan Titchmarsh was uh, was annoyed. I get annoyed by a sloppy presentation on the television. People who don't know their facts. People who don't know their facts. You know, people who sort of think, you know, oh, I can get away with this. You can't. And that's why poor old Fern Cotton fell a cropper, I'm afraid. She was like down at Beecher's Brook. Didn't stand a chance of getting over the first hurdle because she was so lame. Lovely to see a lovely picture. This is, this is, this is a, a real heartwarming story. You can tell it's not going to be, can't you? It's a, it's a lovely. It's an Olympic torchbearer called David State, and here, here, here's, here's David, and he was running with the Olympic torch, and and he gets down on one knee to propose to his girlfriend Christine Langham, which is lovely, isn't it? The fact she's up the duff, of course, is neither here nor there. This is what happens in Britain nowadays. You get somebody pregnant, and then you get married. Normally, it's, it's a bit old-fashioned, I know, and you're thinking it's old-fashioned. Normally, you get married, and then sort of like, you know, sort of nine months later, somebody goes, I'm pregnant or something. No, not nowadays. No, no, no. Now, they actually get themselves pregnant, and then they think about marriage. Well, sometimes they don't think about marriage at all, which is quite funny. So, anyway... Christine says, I'm surprised. I didn't give birth there and then I was shocked. She, she, she's quite classy. She's wearing a, a Union Jack maternity frock. It's, I didn't know they made them and it's lovely. I'm really, really impressed. Uh, crowds in Loftus. It's Cleveland. There's a lot of chavs out on the street. And uh, cheered a special constable, Dave, took the torch back and carried on running the relay after the romantic proposal. 
So that's that's great. He's a special constable. But he said, if I'd stayed any longer, I'd have burst into tears. Oh, that's nice. They've celebrated their engagement with a family lunch at the local Kentucky. Uh, No, I made that last bit up. (laughs) But you just know that they're going to be eating at the Kentucky, don't you? Looking at the size of him, I'm assuming it was the local Kentucky. Um, I love the idea that the police here... there's, There's two stories about the police in the papers today, which kind of grieves me a little bit. Because I'm a huge fan of the Met. Unfortunately, there is one particular case down in Farnham. Okay, and uh, there are the police, and and here is a traveller encampment. Okay, you know what? I was, I was watching my big fat traveller wedding the other day. My God, it was disgusting. It was so revolting. Little girls dressed up like little. I don't know what they were dressed up as. It was just too disgusting for words. And uh, they were all illiterate, which was a bit of a shame because they said, where did you... Le-? The, 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 the interviewer said, where did you learn to dance like this? On the television. And you think, I don't know anybody who dances like this on the television. It turned out they, they actually thought backing singers dance like this, which was a little bit bizarre. Then it turned out that one of them had seen a video of Beyonce and that warranted putting on clothes that made her look a little bit, let's just call it suspect. So anyway, so the, the police are down there and they've got a couple of caravans... And the gate is locked, and some other travellers turn up, because they're, they're really class, and they're quite clearly intent on riding roughshod over the law. And they say to the policeman, can you open the gate so we can turn the caravans round, because we're in a lane, we can't reverse a caravan back. Which, of course, the, the idea is, as anybody with a caravan will tell you, is you unhook it, you turn your car round, and then you pull the caravan round, and that's how it works. You know, you don't have to sort of get... So they go into the field, they immediately... Dis- disconnect the caravans, and they set up home. And the police stand there like, duh. We can't believe we've just opened the gate and let them all in. So they're all in there, and the police are going, duh. Dumb. Not as dumb as they are over in Egham. Not as dumb as they are over in Egham. Council officials thought they were busting a late-night gig, so they turned up with the police, because they'd seen the poster at the Feathers in Laylam. And the poster said, <laughs> um, music from 4am. So they turn up at 4am. Of course, there's nobody there because it's a group called 4am. And the police and the council officials, duh, this is Staines. What did I tell you the other day? Where did they get the Jeremy Kyle show from? Staines. Probably council officials. I've just seen this thing. Music from 4am. Get round there immediately. Close this place down. It's at Leyland. We know exactly where that is. It's on the main road. Close it down. Music from 4am. I don't think so. So they get them. Of course, the place is in darkness. That lady's going, what? Wait, uh, music from 4am. Yeah, they've already been on. They're a group. For... Sorry? They're a group. 4am. Right. Uh, Good night. And off they go again. Dumb or what? I mean, the licence, the landlady says, what kind of person who was planning a a 4am gig without a licence would advertise it? She's quite right, you know. They can't be that bright, can they? And I know some police. That's what's worrying. I know some police based at Staines. Oh, grief. Maybe it's nobody I know. That'll be very worrying. But anyway, that's just some of the stories in the papers today, just to put a a smile on your face first thing in the morning. Because it's Tuesday and most people don't want to get up anyway. You know, and they go, oh, it's dreadful. Um... Uh, Helen says, you've just reminded me as a child nearly, well, a long time ago, going to see Michael Aspel in Panto at the Ashcroft. Yes, it's good. Uh, One here that says, I hate this. I need to sleep, but I want to listen. Steve Allen, you need to be on earlier. Do you mean later? Oh, you mean earlier. All right, I don't think so. No, you just have to podcast the programme. Podcast the programme. Everybody else does it. You know, it's a very simple thing to do. 
You just go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, learn how to podcast, and um, and then you've always got the programmes with you. So it doesn't really make any difference, you know, whether you're in or out. I know my even my neighbour Lynn, my neighbour Lynn, downloads the podcasts every day. It's my neighbour. I see her every day, but she can get a free programme every day just by talking to me. She gets the same kind of thing, but she downloads and she she's uh, she's on holiday now. And she said yesterday, I've taken loads of your your podcasts with me. Which is uh, which is lovely, so uh, so bless her for that one. She's uh, she's 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 off and running, as they say, and uh, oh, lovely. I I I heard yesterday that our friend Victor Spinetti is not very well. Okay, and um, he's uh, he's got prostate cancer, and uh, there's an interview with him on the internet. He's he's, he's very philosophical, bless him. He says uh, he's in he's in a. Uh, hospital in Wales, where they're looking after him. He loves it. He loves the attention. He really does. And bless his heart, loads of people have been up to it. I discovered the other day that uh, a very well-known little lady and her lovely husband have been up to visit him already. And lots of other people have popped in and sent him cards and things like that because he said uh, the, the prognosis is not good. He said, I don't think I'm going to be coming out. He said, but I'm not ready to go yet. He's, he's quite feisty. They've put him on morphine. And um, <laughs> bless his heart, he's lovely. So I'm going to send him a card later on today. And uh, it's, it's, it's really terrible, really. It really is terrible. He's, he's in great spirit. The person who went down to see him says uh, it doesn't look good, but he was in, in good spirits. So that's possibly the morphine. There's loads of other people went through the same thing. So, if anybody is uh, listening up there in Welsh Wales, hello. Give our love to Victor Spinetti and uh, tell him everybody's thinking of him. Because uh, if it, I think he's still downloadable on podcast. I'm pretty certain he must be downloadable, unless he's, he's fallen off the end of it, as they say. Because uh, after, I think, two or three years, they have to... They, they, they shunt them. So, the whole idea... So, uh, it's a good luck. So, I'm sh- I shall send him a card later on today wishing him, wishing him well and hoping that he comes back down to London. But I think it's very unlikely that he will come back down to London. He's got a flat, just literally, round the corner from here. So, um, we wish him the best. The very best. Uh, right. 84850, uk. Apparently, the changing shape of British family will revolutionise future holidays. Nobody goes on holiday with their family anymore, do they? Unless you're one of those sort of families. You know. Now people are saying that uh, traditional family... I mean, at what age do you not go on with your holiday with your parents? In my case, it was 15. Because after 15, you really don't want to be with your parents. We were in town on Sunday going off to lunch. And there's a family. There's, there's mother, father, son and daughter. And quite clearly, the kids just didn't want to be with their parents. They're, really, they're traipsing them around Covent Garden. And the kids are like, this is so boring. And every so often, you know, the son is looking at his mobile phone, seeing if it's, <laughs> desperately if anybody's left a message that he can reply to, going, help, help, because you never wanted to do it. You never wanted to go out with your parents. They go, right, we're actually going up to town. Oh, God, really? And, and she had to go out with your parents, and then you'd do the rounds of the museum. My father just used to do the museums, which actually, strangely enough, at the time, I didn't like it. But now... I, I love doing the museums. I've, I've inherited the love of going round museums, so I like things like that. And uh, the producers, I've got friends who are 26, still going on holiday with their parents each year. That's scary. That's not normal, is it? You know, it's scary. I mean, I understand a family home abroad and people go to it. But the idea of actually booking to go with your parents... And my cousin's whole family goes. So dad, new mum, four kids from one side, 18 to 28, and other daughter, 27. Oh, God. 
beginning to sound sort of, it sounds revolting. It's beginning to sound like something that the council should get involved with. It's not normal, is it? Going on holiday with, with sort of family and things like that. Oh, dear. Uh, where are they going to hold a gig in Laylam, says Stephen Arlington. I know, it's in a, in a pub. <laughs> Music from 4am. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's it's kind of it's kind of just laughable, really. He says, uh, try the restaurant in Knockcuts, the garden centre. Brilliant. Yes, I have eaten in Knockcuts. Not very often, because it's full of a lot of quite elderly people. But I have, I have been there. I go to Knockcuts at Christmas, because they have a really, really good uh, garden centre. So, holidays. Do you go on holiday with the family? Does the whole family go on holiday? Do you all go to a caravan park? I've got this horrible feeling there's caravanners listening this morning. I think they stalk me on this programme. Hello, we, are, we have a caravan. <laughs> I'd love to know. 84850, uk. We all know, says Paul, the product placement thing goes on and has done so for years. I think that uh, Nicholas Bentner's pants would have gone unnoticed, apart from the fact that Paddy Power then decided to brag about the fact that he was showing them off on loads of adverts on various websites. Of course, because they'd paid enough for it. Unfortunately, Bentner by name, Bentner by nature. You know, he took the golden shilling and he got fined 80 grand. I hope they only paid him 50 because then it'll be thirty quid, £30,000 down. Sadly, the voice will return, as even on points of view the other week, Danny Cohen told us it would. He likes it. Well, they've paid for it for two years. And because he does, we all have to suffer. How deluded are they over at the BBC? Being told what I will like is akin to a red rag with a bull. I did notice the other day that many of the clubs that Mark Wright and his boys were attending were the same ones that Peter Andrex and his long-suffering mate from Stoke were going to. Could this be product placement as well? More like the fact that the thrifty folk at ITV2 are trying to save a few quid. It's, it's more that. And also the fact that they're bone idle over at ITV2. They just think if they shove these people on... To be honest with you, the programmes are maybe the budget of threepence. So it makes no difference to them. If, if, if Mark Wright doesn't hit with this... Like the Amy Childs programme was so dull. I was watching a clip on the television the other day of her vajazzling when she was in the Big Brother house. She's got the mental ability of a peanut... I've seen I've seen peas in the pod more intelligent than her. You know, she took like that, took like that. Don't worry, I didn't have to do this, do that. And then you discover that the whole cast of The Only Way is Essex talk like that. And then poor old Mark Wright. I mean, it, it really was absolutely pitifully awful. I mean, in fact, pitifully awful does, doesn't really cover it at all, actually. But I was trying to find which, uh, which paper... It, uh, it pitched up in. Oh, Cheryl Cole has revealed a song on a new album. It's about the pain of a teenage relationship when she had it w- with an abusive junkie. So that's lovely, isn't it? She doesn't write anything. And so it's somebody else has written it for her. Somebody else going through the pain that Cheryl has, has learnt to go through as well, which is, uh, which is lovely. Uh, Greg Wallace has found himself yet another girl. Oh, dear. Greg Wallace, who's slightly worrying. He's now dating a curvy model. Uh, for curvy, read fat. Okay, she's fat. She's not curvy. She's fat, and um, yeah, the MasterChef bloke. This will be this. This could be wife number four coming up, or something like that. There's something quite quite odd about him. I, n- I always said I never liked him. Actually, he split from his third wife, and he's now dated somebody else. Her name is Cara Franco. Cara Franco is a half Italian wannabe glamour model. So, so what do you deduce from that? Chav, exactly. Half Italian wannabe glamour model. For that reason, Chav. And then you look at a picture of her and you go, darling, you couldn't be a wannabe model if, if they gave you a head transplant. It's not going to happen. I'm looking at the picture in the paper today. I'm not being rude. She's a hefty hideaway girl who's not attractive. You know, but that's the best he can get. He's 47. She likes her food, so she's in the good company there. And uh, Greg Wallace, who's a bit 
creepy on the television. I think creepy, you know, when he starts smiling, you think, ooh, don't like you. Don't like you at all. So here he is again. And uh, it's, it's all a little bit of a shake. Oh, and Emma Chawner. Now, come on, cast your mind back. Emma Chawner. Go on, Emma Chawner. E-double-M-A-C-H-A-W-N-E-R. OK, who is she? Come on. She's part of that fat, overweight family who've got no talent. She's the chubby one. She's the real... My God, you look like you've attached yourself to a helium pump. You know, she's enormous. Anyway, she claimed that the X Factor turned her into a hate figure. No, darling, you turned yourself into a hate figure. For your foul language, your disgusting attitude to people, and the fact that it's a whole family of you. And that's why. Nothing to do with the programme. You were just rude, disgusting and vile. Unfortunately, she's up in court. I'll tell you why in a sec. London's biggest conversation, LBC 97.3. At Amazing Tiles, we know that the most important design is you, which is why we offer a huge choice of porcelain and ceramic tiles and individually customised water jet cut designs. And if you buy now, get a third off plain tiles at wholesale prices when you buy five square metres or more. For amazing quality, amazing service and amazing... So going back to Emma Chawner. This is the double X Factor reject. You remember when they waddled on stage at the first one, her and her stupid sister, and uh, we kind of gave up. They, they pitched up on a few programmes on television before. This is the family who don't work because they're too fat. So we put them on a fat-reducing programme, and that doesn't work, but they've had their television coverage. Then they get their own programme, you know, because television companies are a bit stupid like that. And so uh, we, we don't exploit these people. We just pay them money. And so they then think they have a God-given right. Anyway, they're, they're a vile family. They really are. The two, two daughters just are disgusting. Foul-mouthed, just horrible people. Just really, really horrible people. So they put them on the X Factor first time round, and we all laugh at them because they're stupid, because they're hideously overweight, they're hideously unattractive, and they can't sing. And it's called the X Factor. It's for people who've got the X Factor. X doesn't mean extra large. It means the X factor. You've got something means that you can sing. It's a singing competition. Unfortunately, neither of these poor old bags can sing a toffee. They can't sing at all. So they go on there and we laugh and they get rejected and then they allow them back on again. Now, this is when, as far as I was concerned, the X factor became exploitative. They put them back on the television knowing that they've got no talent. They can't sing. They look disgusting. Their mouths are just too awful for words. So anyway... 18 stone Chawner. She's 22 and she's 18 stone. It's just awful. Uh, she's been given a conditional discharge after calling a frail neighbour a bitch. She told Preston magistrates, since me and my family have been on TV, all the neighbours started picking on us. Shauna, sister Samantha and dad Philip were convicted of using threatening behaviour. They're that revolting. That revolting. Nothing to do with television. Why don't you get out there and serve a useful purpose for the country? Why don't you do something? Perhaps jogging might help. Do something. Do something, because, you know, if you want to live here and take all the benefits that we seem to throw at people ad infinitum, to be honest with you, I'd quite like to see you giving something back, because so far you've given nothing. You've absolutely given nothing at all. Uh, David says, when are they going to do a proper concert in Croydon? There's never been a decent one. Are you serious? Have you ever been to the Fairfield Halls? Good God. I mean, they're constantly having things, constantly having them. Uh, Lynn says, I'm so fed up with all the reality or talent shows, whatever happened to all the drama series, they can't afford to do it. A drama series could cost them millions, millions. And they get back in, maybe nothing, maybe nothing. So it's easier to put on 
a reality show. If you put on a reality show, it can cost you thruppence. Look at Big Brother. It costs nothing. You don't pay any of the contestants any money. You've only got to pay Brian Dowling, and God knows he's actually dirt cheap. He's dirt cheap. He wouldn't, he wouldn't cost very much at all. And so what they then do is, they then put these programmes up on the television. All you've got to do is build a set. And that's it. And just get some bed linen washed. Well, I've never seen them doing any washing in Big Brother. Do they wash the sheets or do they just leave them for weeks? Must be kind of, kind of rank. Uh, 84850, uk. Little, little Alice says, uh, you're very obsessed with body shapes. Are you so perfect? Of course I am. Of course I'm perfect. I'm like you, of course, which is a shame. She says, uh, you waste too much time talking about fat and waddling. I know, but they do waddle, don't they? They do waddle. There's a lot of waddling going on with the old fatties out there, Alice, as you know, because you're a waddler. And that's what happens. You, you sort of, you waddle from side to side. And they waddled onto the television, the Chawner family. Oh, dear. And then open their mouths. Foul. Foul. Dreadful. Um, another one here. It says, uh, John in York. Uh, and says, you are on top form. I'm now getting used to an early start to hear you. Well, if, if you can't, if you can't manage it. Then, then podcast. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of downloads every day, so we're very, very happy. Nathan says, family holidays always seem like a good idea at first, but a few hours into one, and there are arguments left, right and centre. Yes, I don't know why people go on holiday with family. Unless, of course, you have a, a family villa or something. You know, it's not, I'm not talking about like, families who book into hotels, because that's a bit naff. But if, if, you, if you own a villa and all the family go over there, well, then I can understand that. I think that's actually probably quite normal, if not a little bit sad that you're always going to the same place. It's like people who go to the same place every year. You know, we always go to the same place because we know the waiters and they always know us. Now they go, there's that sad couple again. Here they are back in. So that's, that's why. <laughs> and uh, Steve, they go on holiday with their parents because they're desperate for distraction from each other and will pay the adults' kids' holidays. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, lovely. Ben says, how do you make Amy Child's eyes twinkle? Answer, shine a flashlight in her ear. Thank you, Ben. It's an old... That's the old uh, Essex girl joke, isn't it? You know, that is the old Essex girl joke. In fact, there are so many old Essex girl jokes because there are so many old Essex girls. <laughs> 84850, uk or uh, 0845. Uh, so far, um, after we announced yesterday that uh, Jack Osborne has been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis... He's done an interview with Hello! magazine. Uh, she's appeared on television and broken down because, I mean, Sharon's very good at that kind of thing. But it's quite nice to know she's fighting the corner for MS people. Now she's got it in her family. Now she knows what it's like. So what they've done in the paper today, as we did yesterday, we spoke to lots of people who, who live with MS. It is possible to live with it. It is possible to actually uh, cope with it. The one thing you don't want to do is sort of get yourself down over it. And let's face it, everything the Osbournes do is done in the glare of publicity. Every single thing. I think when Sharon had her illness and uh, Ozzy, they, they, they do it publicity-wide. They, they, they do it worldwide. That's what they do. They, they crave the publicity. So it can only be, I suppose, a good thing that they're talking about MS. Perhaps we need somebody high-profile now to get Crohn's, so people will talk about Crohn's more often, because people don't understand what Crohn's is. I think we must be the only programme who's ever done items on Crohn's and spoken to people who actually have to live with it. It's like, it's like diabetes. You know enough about diabetes now to know whether you're diabetic. You know, you should do, because there's enough information out there. And with MS, now you know there's lots and lots of different ones. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, really. I suppose, as, as Sharon said... 
you have to ask, did I do something wrong when he was in the womb? Did I, you know, why is this developed here? Well, I mean, you know, you have to ask yourself, did the fact that Jack, with a history of drink and drugs, did that have anything to do with it? You don't know. You don't know. You know, the whole whole family were a bit barking mad, weren't they? Let's face it. You know, I mean, it had to be drugs and drink. It couldn't be anything else. And tattoo. I mean, is it... We don't know what it is. Is having a tattoo, does that lead on to that? I don't know. Does drinking, you know, to excess taking drugs, does that make any difference? You know, growing up in a barking mad family like the Osbournes, does that make a difference? Who knows? You'll never know. We don't know the answer. All, All we know is that he has it. There is no cure for it. Okay, let's establish that. There is no cure. You learn to live with it. And we spoke to we spoke to a lovely lady yesterday. She had it for thirty years. Thirty years. So don't see it as a as a death sentence. It's not like that. You know, people can live with it. And they've got uh, Ortiz Williams. Who I think must be in a in in a, I don't know which group Ortiz is in. Is he one I don't know, is he JLS? He could be, I don't know, to be honest with you. And uh, his his mum has got uh MS. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we had a, another premiere in Leicester Square. Since they finished the square off, they've dug up the grass four times now. It kind of, I mean, why didn't they just concrete it? What's the point of putting grass down? It's a total... Put AstroTurf down. It'll save money in the long run. They just relay the AstroTurf. Because, frankly, it's a waste of money. Anyway, they had um, uh, Spider-Man last night. And so they've got lots of people. Uh, Anna Friel was there. She's not in the film, but, of course, her, 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 her boyfriend, Rhys Ephens, is in it. We like him. I don't know what she was doing there. Perhaps they just... Uh, it was a photo opportunity. And, um, and then they had Georgia Salper. And you go, who are you? Are you, in, are you in the film, Georgia? No. Model. She was looking all white in a figure-hugging top and jeans. In other words, she was looking like she was off to a glamour girl shoot. That's what she is. She's the Irish Jordan, apparently. That's how they're trying to sell her. But she just pitches up at anything. She's not in anything. She's not in this film, as far as I know. And she pitches up there. And there must be people in the crowd going, I'm sorry, who are you? Can you move out of the way, love? This is for film people. Who are you? Uh, hey, you. Glamour model. Oh, right, you're in the Big Brother house. Yeah. Get off the... Th- get a go away, dear. This is for film people. Don't waste our time. So, anyway, I'm sure they all had a lovely time last night, which was great. Which was great. All very happy about that. So, I'd love to hear about your holiday habits. If you're one of those people who bought tickets for The Voice, bet you're gutted. 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk or 0845-6060-973. And I want to know whether you go on holiday with your parents still. I want you to be totally truthful with me. And also name-calling. Everybody was, was called names in school. Apparently, you know what the most common name in school is now? Gay. To call somebody gay. It doesn't mean gay. It means stupid. Gay means stupid. You hear it all the time. I've heard it from my brother's girls years ago. They used the term, oh, somebody's so gay. And the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, they mean somebody's gay. No, no, they mean stupid. Because apparently, words like stupid, idiot, mong, spazzer or spaz, good heavens above, were used when pupils struggled with work or a sport. So when you struggle with a sport, you use, we just used to go, bother, I can't do it. Now they come up with all sorts of things. Oh, I'm so stupid. But gay apparently means stupid as well. So now you know. So were you called names at school? Specky Four Eyes? Spotty? Were you? 0845 6060 973. Because apparently it's getting out of hand. People call people names all the time. I'd never do anything like that. It's not my kind of thing at all. 0845 6060 973. Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Tuesday morning in London town. And you know, I think we might actually go the whole day without any rain. But don't, don't hold your breath just yet. I'll tell you 
After the news with Sam Pittis, which is next. On FM, on Steve Allen. Morning, Tuesday morning in London town. Just before we go any further, just in case you've just turned the radio on, we better tell you what the weather's going to be like for today, just in case. Oh, here we go. Oh, Ash, oh, not too bad. Cloudy to start with this morning. Yeah, looking out the window, that would be about right. Sunshine burning through, it's our new expression, uh, allowing warm spells throughout the day with isolated showers. It's going to be 22 degrees today. Currently it's 10, and tonight any showers will die away, leaving a dry night with clear spells. Of course, I'm just delighted that the hosepipe ban's been lifted. I can get the, water, get the thing out, got the watering can, I've got the hosepipe, got everything out of everywhere. Tomorrow, dry and sunny to start with cloud building, bringing scattered showers, staying dry with warm sunny spells, a high 23 degrees tomorrow. Thursday, oh, here we go, back to the rubbish again. Showers, some heavy with thunder. Friday, Saturday, mostly dry, breezy, one or two isolated showers. So now you know that's what it's going to be for today. So there might be isolated showers, so my advice is take a little tiny umbrella and that will kind of see you through the day. It's nice to be company. Steve Allen's early breakfast. I trust you are well this morning. Uh, another one here that says, uh, listening to your radio show, this Dorman Dom, who's at uh, Ditchling Beacon at Brighton. He says, uh, where is Paul Savory? He's in America. He's in America. He's having a very nice time to all intents and purposes. Uh, 84850, one here that says, Steve, nobody I know cares about telly and the non-diplumes on it. I listen to the radio all day which is actually better uh, for you. It's, it, well, it's, well, it doesn't matter, actually, does it? You don't have to sort of sit there and get sort of a bit carried away with the whole thing. You don't, you know, I mean, it's very easy to watch television. And, of course, all of the TV critics make an absolute fortune by watching television and talking about it. And we all talk about it because most people watch it. When you look at the audiences for EastEnders and you look at 12 million, 13 million, 14 million people, then, you know, you're, you're going to be aware of it, aren't you, I think? So MS is in the papers today, but we did that yesterday with, uh, with Jack Osborne. And uh, there's a new plaque as well. Uh, the parents of uh, Tim Parry and Jonathan Ball, who died in the 93 attack. This is the IRA bombing. You know that somebody stole the plaque. They, ha- they have actually charged somebody, I believe. Do you know metal thieves uh, strike a thousand times a week? There was a school the other day. They had to close because thieves had stolen the lead off the roof. You have to ask yourself the question, what sort of people are stealing, you know, plaques and lead off the roof of schools? What, what sort of people would they be? I've got a rough idea. I've got a rough idea. But sort of the sort of people who, who have no regard for anybody. There was a, a woman on the television the other day, and her father had been targeted by internet deceivers. People who came on and were saying, oh, listen, you've actually won some money, but you need to send us some money. They reckon he probably handed over £3,000. In the end, uh, the old man finally realised he was being conned. Because I've said before, and I I can only repeat again, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It does not happen, I'm afraid. There is no such thing as a free lunch. You will pay for it. And so these these, uh, trolls pick up the phone and they target people. Oh, hello, you've won some money. Congratulations. My name's Lydia or my name's Peter or whatever. Congratulations. Your number's been picked at random. £25,000 you've won on the... It's the Camelot. And they, they come up with anything. All they want is those first details. Listen, we need £30 to process it. Once they've actually got your bank account details, then they start going for it. So they kept phoning him on a weekly basis. £300 here, £200 there. In the end, £5,000. That's what they reckon. His daughter reckoned. But as she said on the television, they don't care. 
When he eventually said to them, listen, there is no more money, they started shouting abuse down the phone at him. Because that's what they're like. They're, they're people, they, don't, they couldn't care less whether they rob you or whether they rob, you know, your grandmother. They, they don't care. They're not interested. Makes no difference. In fact, if you read the book Gypsy Boy, which is in the Amazon Top 100, it's written by a guy who was, who was a gypsy, but of course he had to leave because uh, he was being bullied by his father, to be honest with you, uh, and other people on the sites. And it turned out that they were, as children, taught to go out and rob pensioners, rob old people, because they were easy to rob. They didn't have any qualms about it at all. There was no, there was no sort of guilt factor. It's a case of, you've actually got something I want, I'm going to take it. And people do. I'm sure we've all had experience over the years of things which have been taken from us. You know, you either... It's, it's, there was a very interesting... They, they, they were telling us the other day how pickpockets know where your wallet is. Because what they'll do is, and it's easy to see, and it makes you wonder why nobody's ever thought of it before, but I know that they have. On the underground, it says, there's big signs, beware, pickpockets operate in this area. You know, watch your wallet kind of thing. So what do you do? You tap your wallet to make sure it's still there. And that tells somebody watching where your wallet is. It's, it's It's a total indication of exactly where your wallet is. And somebody can come up and they can distract you, and they can take your wallet. And don't think they can't. Because I know magicians, very good magicians, who are very good pickpockets. Very, very good pickpockets. And I find it difficult to believe that they can actually remove people's ties, watches, wallets, braces, shirts if necessary. Everything can be removed by a pickpocket. And these gangs are so good at it. If ever you get on a bus or a tube and there's a man there with a coat over his arm, avoid him. Move away from him or her, because nine out of ten times they're pickpockets, and they use the action of the coat to cover putting the other hand into your pocket and relieving you of something. And it's done so quickly and so easily. This woman yesterday was sobbing on the television the fact that her father had been robbed by these people. And I kept thinking, you want to get their, their phone number, go round there and do horrible damage to them. <laughs> that, was, that was the caring side of me. The other side wanted to hang them. But I was, I was just being caring about that. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. I'd love to know if anybody listening this morning has ever fallen victim to these people, they're very good. They're very, very good. We've had women, you know, who've been convinced that they're talking to a GI who wants to come over to this country and marry them. And they've been talking to a bloke in Nigeria who's following a script. And they have no idea. 84850, steve at uk. Some of the other stories in the papers today. Um, 1.25 million appointments are cancelled. Because family doctors are going on strike on Thursday. Uh, Health trusts have decided not to dock salaries, even though the GPs will refuse to treat almost all their patients. That, yeah, they they won't refuse to treat people who are sort of, uh, who are suffering and who need help. They won't do that. It's just normal things they will actually not, uh, not, not bother with. It's only for a day, isn't it? A day. I can't quite remember what they're, what they're, what they're doing. I like the idea that, A, as I said before, there is a dress code at, uh, at, at Ascot. I think one of our uh, one of our higher echelon people here actually went to Ascot the other was it Ascot or was it Cheltenham or was it uh, somewhere Aintree or something like that but now at Cheltenham Ladies College they have got a new dress code 2012 no underwear on show no heels no teeny shorts thank you very much indeed it's always the chubby chasers isn't it who wear the teeny shorts 
I don't know why, they just do. So now, leggings or similar skin-tight clothing are not adequate outer clothing. Girls must have something over the bottom and down the leg to just above the knee. Short shorts with tights are not acceptable. Underwear should not be visible at any time. Tank tops or vests should have straps wide enough to cover bras. Uh, thin or sheer tops which reveal bras are not acceptable. Shoes sturdy and safe. No flip-flops, no heels. How fantastic. You want to send your uh, your little treasure to ladies' uh, college in Cheltenham? That's the rules you adhere to, OK? Which is fantastic. It's actually breeding people as opposed to this, this ghastly, ghastly lot of chavs out there now who turn up in the cheapest clothes. It's, it's like Primark constantly on the Jeremy Kyle show. You know, it's lovely. They've got all these sort of clothes up there and you think that they're not... That there's no class. There's no class at all, I'm afraid. Um... I like the idea that Theopophetus, because I, I have ceased watching The Dragon's Den because I'm so bored. I mean, they're just dullards. It's a BBC programme given over to four people to help them make even more money. I don't quite understand how that fits in. It's like I never quite understood why ITV gave a show to Simon Cowell that makes him very, very rich. You know, but now you can buy your way into television. You can buy your way onto the BBC. You can, you can come up with a programme like Dragon's Den. These people sit there with their own money. Somebody will parade. They haven't even got to travel. They just sit there and people parade before them and say, what do you think about this idea? Is this a good idea or is that a bad idea? And they then decide whether to invest the money, which is, which is not bad, is it? And so, unfortunately, Theopophetus was shown the Aquatina bottle. And he said, I would rather stick pins in my eyes than back this collapsible water bottle. Unfortunately for poor old Theo, and it's probably not the first time the poor old soul's been uh, been sort of sidelined. It's on sale in M&S and 15 other countries. Can't move for it in M&S. I quite like the idea. I nearly bought one the other day. I didn't know what it was, to be honest with you. But it's a collapsible water bottle. And it, it pulls up, and then you fill it with water. And then when you finish with it, it condenses down and just pop it in your pocket. It's quite nice. The buyers at, uh, at M&S think it's absolutely brilliant. It's on sale in Germany, Australia, Canada, Spain, Japan, Italy and Sweden. It's a concertina design. 100,000 British pocket bottles later and, uh, and the dragons have reached very different verdicts. I bet Theopophetus is kicking himself. He could have made some more money, which is good. And the king of trash television, think of the open sewer that his big brother, is now tipped to run the Arts Council. Quentin Letts is talking about God help the arts because Peter Bazalgette... Bazalgette, whose father of thinking invented the flush... Ooh, sorry about that. Uh, invented the flush toilet. It's probably him phoning me now. Uh, says uh, that he's going to be taking over. I think his... his uh, yes, I think the Bazalgettes were into sewer in London. Sewage. Anyway, he, he sort of came up with food and drink, Ground Force, Charlie and her Dimmocks, and uh, loads of other programmes and Big Brother and stuff like that. And now, because he obviously invites all the right people round to his million-pound mansion in Holden Park, and he's got other mansions around the world, they've actually tipped him to run the Arts Council. Quentin Letts has gone, no, no. I like Quentin Letts. I like Quentin Letts a lot. It's quite funny. It's quite funny. But, I mean, everything's being dumbed down now, isn't it? There's, there's nothing that, that isn't dumbed down. Uh, Paul, Paul Cooper is going to Ascot in a little black number. <laughs> There's a joke there somewhere. Actually, he does. It's a friend of mine said to me the other day, is Paul going to Ascot this year? I said he goes every year. He just goes there, drinks champagne, and loses money on horses, mainly because most of his have only got three legs. These headlines with Sam Pittis. A study suggests almost 7 million people were. Biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
Tuesday morning. So, nice this afternoon, a little bit overcast later on today, but uh, not to worry about it because it doesn't make... We finally might actually have a little bit of summer just for about an hour or so today, and then tomorrow, of course, it all goes pear-shaped, I'm afraid, and we're back to the... back to the. We don't care, though. We're British. We're used to this. There's no good being surprised about it. It occurs every single day. Lovely uh, item in the Daily Mail today about poor old Cheryl Cole. No colour is too garish, no design is too naff. Welcome to Cheryl's car crash couture. She hasn't had one decent outfit this year. And it starts in um, March. It, go- it goes all-, all the way through the year. And every time they put her in... One of them, they've-, they've described her as looking like she's just wandered in from Quick Fit, having done some tyres. Then she was heading to LA to film the video for Call My Name. And uh, she said, uh, with MC Hammer, who kindly lent her his trousers. And then she turns up in this outfit the other day for, for G-A-Y. The plaster and arm sparks rumours she's having vitamin drips. A style drip, they say, might be more advisable. Uh, one of them, she turns up in Paris wearing a pair of pyjamas. It's all chav stuff. It's all cheap. And on her, it looks... I mean, she has no idea of who she is. And that's why her singing career will not be that successful. She says, you know, because I want to concentrate on my music. And I'm thinking, you know, you have a number one single. This is your third album out. You haven't written anything. You don't write. You know, you're not really in the music industry. You're in the miming industry. The miming and auto-tune industry, which, I mean, you know, is perfectly acceptable. I know a well-known boy band who, uh, who haven't sung live at all. They're all auto-tuned. They have to be. Because, you know, when you've got people dancing around, there's nobody that good, unless you go to see a West End show, in which case you hear people singing live. That's what they do every night. All these other people are just fraudsters. And so you've got Cheryl going out talking about, you know, my music and all this kind of stuff. No, it's somebody else's music. It's recorded in a studio and it's taken ages to get it right. As somebody said here, if the Little Mermaid got tangled up in net curtains, it would look like this outfit she was wearing for the, uh, for the Royal Jubilee. And they said, with a dress that tight, is it any wonder she was out of tune? Then she turned up in a looks like my big fat gypsy wedding outfit. I mean, she's got the tackiest outfit. I mean, the word naff. And when you actually look at them laid out, she doesn't know what to do with her fake hair. Doesn't know what to do with anything. I mean, she turns up the other day looking <laughs> looking like Bertie Bassett. And they, they took the mickey out of her then. She just doesn't have any idea of what to wear. I should imagine she's happier at home in probably grey tracksuit bottoms. That would be about her mark. And she thinks it's glamorous to go out looking here in a in a, a pink PVC outfit. They said it's marvellous. She remains highly visible to oncoming traffic. Oh, they're just taking the mickey out of her because she doesn't really know not know what to wear uh, any time. You know, there's there's loads of outfits out there. Unfortunately, she's a bit like Colleen Rooney. If you're chav, it doesn't matter how you look, you cannot carry off classy outfits. You can be, you, you can pose in them. It's a little bit like, who was it who, who couldn't wear it? Well, Jordan, apart from the fact, I mean, really, he's got the most awful fashion sense. Not a clue. But then she has spent most of her time with her clothes off. <laughs> kind, of, kind of explains why she doesn't look good. Uh, Mark says, I get letters from the, uh, from the fake lottery. I always send them back saying, take out my admin fee and send me the rest of the money. Uh, Mark says, Katie Price scared of water. She wasn't scared when showing off her body in the fountain pool in Celebrity Jungle. I'd forgotten about that. She said she's had it since she was 15, but, I mean, of course, you know, most of her stuff could be fantasy. They're, they're always looking... I mean, I, you know, far... I mean, it, it's not up to me to say that she's, she's telling you porky pies, but it is up to me to tell you that she's always economical with the truth. OK? She spends a lot of time going, are the paparazzi out? Oh, the paparazzi are out there. No, one poor... It's the same man every time. They just stick him in a different woolly hat. And he stands outside there going, I'm being filmed again. I've got to look like I'm interested in taking pictures of Jordan. These pictures never appear anywhere because nobody's interested. 
<laughs> Poor soul, apart from a few strange people. Uh, I'll trade you the weather in London for the weather in Toronto, says Colin. No. Uh, apparently, rather hot. Tuesday, 33 degrees, but with the humidity 41. This is in Toronto. Don't get too excited. Wednesday, 34 degrees, humidity 44. And as I type this, it's 24 degrees at 12.08 a.m. And it's not expected to go be- below 20 degrees overnight. So I will gladly take London's weather. Or perhaps I should just buy myself a train ticket to London. <laughs> Some people must get off the, the plane in London and go, gosh, it's cold. And we-, we live it every day. We don't care. We're actually very good at things like that. Um, another one here. Uh, this is talking uh, about... What's Paul talking about? Oh, yes, it's, it was Joanne, actually. So, uh, better now. She's having radiotherapy. Good, good, good. Actually, my friend um, Corin's going back in hospital on Wednesday, I think. This is Corin and Tony, who didn't make it to Jan and Peter's the other day, which was lovely, actually. Lovely Jan and Peter. So, uh, wish you the best, Corin. She's addicted to the podcast now. She said they, they kind of keep you go- kind of keep you going through sort of difficult periods, and uh, and for Joanne as well. So little Julie, Noreen, Winnie, Michelle, and Lizzie for their kind words and cards. She's got the radiotherapy on Friday morning. Not another gift box. <laughs> Would you stop it with the gift boxes? Get yourself better f- first, then worry about other things. So much easier that way, isn't it? Um, I was called blubber, says Lynn at school, and I wasn't that fat. Blubber. See, we're talking about the fact that at school, children are terribly rude to each other. They, they call each other names, and, and children get very upset. There's, there's a lot of children who you read about in the papers who have been bullied before now, and some of them go so far as to actually take their lives because they're so depressed. They don't want to go to school. And uh, I, I put forward the theory years ago that every single person is, is bullied. Every single person at school is bullied. There's very few people who aren't bullied. Generally, people who do the bullying were bullied themselves earlier on. So they just, they just perpetuate. They just will start attacking you because it takes away their own insecurities. You know, Jordan would be a classic example of a bully because she's always sort of throwing everything back and making it look as though she's the victim, which, of course, she isn't. You know, we've seen how vile she can be to ex-husbands and people like that. So there's, there's nothing new. She, she couldn't ever sell herself as anything but very, very insecure and, and very, very sort of very mistrusting of everybody. I mean, it must be awful to be Jordan. I'd hate to be Jordan. She sort of pretends it's a wonderful life, but to be honest with you, it's not. It really is. She's quite miserable in most of the programmes, which is a shame. It's quite like, sort of, at the moment, Nicole Scherzinger. She's everywhere. But in fact, she wouldn't be if she didn't have a boyfriend who drove racing cars. She'd just be an ex-pussycat doll. And that's it. So now it's her, her time. The pussycat dolls used to dance in, was it the Viper Lounge or something like that? They were just sort of a naff dance group. And then they sort of pitched up and then they were singing. And I wasn't too sure whether they were singing. And then they all tried to make careers for themselves. And so hers was um, going out with a racing driver. And so now, you know, Lewis Hamilton's pushed to one side because she wants to be, you know, star in her own right. So she's pushing, pushing forwards. Which is, which is good. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm sure that we're all very, very happy for her. But to be honest with you, it's only just another judge on a television programme. Why you'd be concerned about anything else about them, I've got no idea. Do you know, it would be much nicer to receive an act of kindness than to be given £10. That's according to an overwhelming number of Brits. 90% insist a caring gesture is worth more to them than the cash. Yeah, right. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello, what would you rather have? A kind gesture or £10? Give us the money. Who, who wants a kind gesture? You want £10, don't you? 
given the choice, I'm coming up to you in the street and I'm going, hello, you look like a nice person sitting on the pavement on a rug, and quite clearly you've lost the use of your legs, and, and you've got a dog as well. Uh, w- would you like a kind gesture? Shall I get you a, a, a subway roll, or, w- or would you like ten pounds? You're going to take the ten pounds. OK, thank you. You know, it's like, that. can I pay you a compliment? Your dog is very attractive. OK? And, and the budgie's nice, too. And, and also, it's nice that your dog sleeps as much as you do during the daytime. And it's nice to know that your age, your life is totally wasted by sitting on the pavement. I know. If I give you the £10, though, you're going to spend it on drink, aren't you? And drugs. I saw a bloke today. You went, I mean, I couldn't believe it myself. Because he, he, he rides a bike into Piccadilly Circus, OK? Quite a nice bike. He chains it up by the entrance to the underground. And off the back of it, he picks up his rug... He goes and sits in a doorway. He goes and sits in a doorway. But he's just arrived on a bicycle. Quite clearly a fraud of the First Order. He's a Piccadilly Circus. You can't miss him. It's one of those sort of stripy rugs. You can't miss it at all. And his bicycle is chained to the railings round by where, where Tower Records used to be. I was sitting there at the traffic lights thinking, is he nicking that bike? No, and he's chaining it up. And then he picks his rug up and he looks all sort of dejected and everything. And he goes and sits in a doorway. I thought, that's how it is. 84850, steve at It's amazing how many of you um, were, were, were bullied at school. Bullied at school. When I say bullied, you know, people called you names at school. It's, it's far more common than I thought, actually. Far more common. Uh, Gaz says, I remember as a young kid, I wore dark, thick, horn rim glasses, had buck teeth and short hair. When I would walk down the street... Uh, and the school hallways during lunch and recess, the bullies would call out, hey, it's Jerry Lewis. See, I think that's a bit of a compliment. Jerry Lewis, that would be one of his characters in his movies. I hated Jerry Lewis. Hated Jerry Lewis. Hated the character. Hated anybody like that who just was awful. Uh, 84850. Steve says, you can always tell, always tell Paul Cooper's horse, it's the one with the red light on its tail, so they can find it when it comes home in the dark. Oh, dear. I've got an, an Aquatina bottle. Says uh, this one here, Ennis, bought from Robert Dias. My stomach going on there, honestly. I must be, I must be a bit hungry this morning. Do you know what I'm really craving at this precise moment? I'm craving one, one sausage, two rashers of bacon, some tinned tomatoes on fried bread and possibly an egg. But I shall put up with nothing, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm a trooper. I'm not one of those programmes where we start munching through breakfast later on, thank you very much indeed. If you bought an Aquatina bottle, is it good? Does it, does it work? Um, 84850, uh, one here, that says, uh, lead from roofs, nothing, Steve. Up in Mansfield, we have thefts from the local graveyard. I was visiting my grandparents' grave and caught a young chap stealing the ornaments and photo frames left at graves. What kind of people live on this planet? Well, there was, um, a florist who was nicking flowers from a cemetery. Literally, people were putting them on graves. She was going round, getting into the cemetery at night, taking them and putting them back on sale in her own shop. I mean, you can't believe that people would... I have to be honest with you. I do think flowers at funerals are a bit of a waste of time because the person who they're intended for can't see them. So it's kind of, as they said, ages and ages ago, a well-known psychiatrist, give flowers to the living. They appreciate them far more. It's LBC 97.3. Time now is 5.30. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. It's claimed almost 7 million people are struggling to feed themselves and their families despite working full-time. Around 3.6 million households say they're unable to cope on their income and have no assets or savings to fall back on, according to an experienced study for The Guardian. It's hope... To say the least. But, of course, what it is, it's hype nowadays. It's called column inches. 
And uh, that, I mean, she'll she'll never be huge in America with or without the help of Will I Am because they've got people over there who can deliver. But, although I was watching an Oprah Winfrey show in the cast of Glee singing "Don't Stop Believing" and they were all miming. The the two lead singers were singing. There was a very there was a very very good uh, girl in it. Very very good girl in, and she was quite a large girl. But what a voice! Oh, large black girl. What a voice. She was singing. They used her to sing the national anthem. And she started and they went, ladies and gentlemen, the, you know, the Super Bowl, because it's all they're like really, really proud to be American. And it's, it's very patriotic. And they bring out this huge flag. I mean, it makes the stuff we've got look tiddly. I promise you, this whole flag takes up practically half the entire pitch. Thousands and thousands of people, ladies and gentlemen, the cast of Glee with the national anthem. And she starts singing. And she's singing it, and I'm, th- I'm my jaw's on the floor, thinking, why is this woman not a big star? Why is she not a huge star? She's just on Glee, because I never got into Glee. I never watched Glee. It's not... I can't, be, I can't be bothered with a lot of dysfunctional people. I watch the Jeremy Carl. It's like the Jeremy Carl show with songs. It is a bit like that. It doesn't, it doesn't really interest me, but I watch it and sort of marvel at, at how I'm being manipulated. <laughs> Steve, say thank you to Joanne. Lovely to hear she's feeling a bit better. My hanging baskets aren't looking good with all the rain we've had. You need to tomorite. Don't go berserk. Don't go berserk. A little bit of tomorite in your hanging basket. I did my hanging baskets yesterday. And remember, if it's windy, then they swing backwards and forwards and they dry out. It's like holding a, you know, a tea towel and going like that. It dries out. So hanging baskets the same. Don't think that the rain is going to water hanging baskets because it doesn't. The water bounces off. You've actually got to get in there under the leaves and water the thing until the water drips through the bottom, OK? That's how you know a hanging basket is thoroughly drenched. And then just touch the bottom and just make sure that they're, they're still staying wet. So that, well, not totally soaking wet, but enough so that you know that it's, it's actually got water in there, which is good. And if, if you make your own hanging baskets, you can buy these crystals that you put in there, which are water-retaining crystals, which are very good. So hello to Neil, Shelley, Kevin, Lindsley, and Sheila as well. For a Tuesday, it's nice to know that we're all up at 25 to 6. Looking forward to the Olympics? Just a little bit of it. OK, just a little bit of it. I'm hoping for gold. When we spoke to Daley Thompson last week... He was, he was predicting gold and quite a bit, but he never mentioned Tom Daly. I should have said at the end of the interview, and, and Tom Daly, because I have a sneaking feeling that we might be thinking the same about that. We might be thinking that uh, unless Tom pulls his finger out and stops doing all these endorsements and trotting around the country doing interviews and photo shoots and everything else, that, you know, he, he needs to get back in the pool because that's what he does. He did admit, though, in an interview he gave the other day that he still gets scared when he climbs up the diving. Well, I get scared watching I could no more climb... I mean, I, I feel physically ill thinking about the little space at the top. So you climb up the, these stairs, and then you get to something that is miles away from the water. I mean, like it's in another country. And you're standing up there on a piece of concrete, and then their, <laughs> their toes are over the end of it. And then, even worse, they're backwards. They lean... But there's nothing on God's earth would ever get me to even climb the stairs, I'm afraid. I couldn't climb stairs. I feel ill even mentioning it on the programme because I get, I get such awful vertigo. I do seriously think that it, it's just the worst thing ever. And yet he climbs up and he says he does get a bit frightened. He said, but you just get used to it, but you still, still get frightened. <laughs> so, good luck. Oh, I hope he does well. I hope he does well. Uh, Steve says, the army have had collapsible water carriers for years. It's called a polythene bag. Yes. Uh, I work in a school. The most bullying I see is senior management picking on younger members of staff. One member's recently been driven out. 
Strangely enough, the Ofsted uh, recent report stated our school didn't tolerate bullying. Bullying, we had a good, a good mark for that one. Should have looked to the staff then to see the way that people behave. It's always the way, isn't it? But then you have to report things like that. If somebody's being bullied at, at work, you have to report it. It's no good sort of saying nothing, because then when it comes out that somebody else who's maybe stronger says, I was bullied, and then you go, I was too, you think, well, you should have said that before them to encourage them to come out. It's no good just jumping on the bandwagon afterwards. If, if you get in a situation like that at work, in a school, in the playground, it doesn't matter where it is, on a bus, then you complain about it. Oh, I knew there was something I was going to mention. I knew there was something. I went to Marks and Spencer's on Sunday. Okay, which nothing unusual in that. This is now this is only applying to the one in Twickenham. I don't know about anybody else because it only happened in in Twickenham. And it's at the end of the day. I've been out all day, but I hadn't read any papers and I needed to pick up a couple of papers. So I go in there and all they've got is the mail on Sunday, the Express and the Daily Star on Sunday. So I buy all three papers. Okay, and I buy two bottles of water and I go to the checkout Always still, never sparkling, because it's, it's fake. So only ever use still. I go to the checkout, and this is about four o'clock. Half past four, four o'clock. So it's late in the day, so they've sold a lot of papers, OK? And this, this is very, this is very, you know, I have to be absolutely accurate on this one. So the girl is new on the till. So I go, can I have a, um, a 9p bag? Thinking I've got to carry the water and the paper and everything else. And so she does that, so she does the water... And I bought something else. And, and then she puts the papers through. And so she scans the paper, you know, blick on the till, puts the Daily Star to one side, which comes up as 95p. OK, on the till, 95p. Blip, the Express comes up as pound thirty-five. Blip, the Mail comes up as pound fifty. Now, I didn't have an issue with the Mail coming up as pound fifty because that's the price of the paper. The, uh, the Daily Express, on the paper itself, was priced at pound twenty. But up on the till in Marks and Spencer's, if you bought on Sunday, it comes up as £1.35. So in other words, unless you check your bill at the end and you go through everything, they've ripped you off. Knowingly. Because the Daily Star was 50 pence. But they were charging 95 So the girl on my till had to say, oh, I've got to get somebody else to give a refund. So the girl comes over and says, oh, it's happening all the time, this. And you think... And so I said to the girl on the till, I said, so all day you've been charging 95 pence for a paper that costs 50p. She went, yeah. She wasn't remotely bothered. Wasn't remotely bothered. Marks and Spencers are cheated people out of this money. All right, so it's only 50p here, 49p. It doesn't make any difference. It's the fact that if you multiply it hundreds of times, I don't know how many copies of the papers they would sell in Marks and Spencers in Twickenham. But it's the fact that somebody hadn't checked. Now, that's shoddy management. That's, it wouldn't have happened years ago. But at the moment, we have a lot of management standing there staring at shelves, going, should we rearrange the apples and put them in place of the peaches? That's what they do now. They keep rearranging everything. As opposed to actually checking the prices. And they're supposed to do it on a regular basis. But quite clearly, on a Sunday, be very careful. So if you bought your papers on Sunday in Marks & Spencer's, in Twickenham, and you've still got the receipt... Check what you would charge, because if you buy loads of shopping, you're not going to check it. It's only because I had five items, six items, that I was actually able to check. And I could see that the Daily Star had 50p written in there in big letters, and she charged me 95. That's when you've you've got to check these things. Because otherwise, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you. You have to go back and complain about it. So what you should have done, in fact, if you've still got your receipt from Sunday and you bought your papers there, take it back. Make them give you a refund. 
because that's cheating you. In fact, really, they should actually refund everything because that's just very bad customer service. <coughs> Excuse me. 84850, uk. Uh, another one here that uh, that says uh, holidays. I never go on holiday. I could almost it could have been me writing that one. I never do holidays. I'm not bothered about holidays. I don't know why. Some people like holidays. I'm not a holiday person. Mark the bailiffs off out this morning. Whee! Did you see the bailiff on Big Brother? They had a ba- he, well. He claims he's a bailiff. He's got a very high pitched voice for a bailiff. I'm slightly slightly worried by him. I don't think he's going to have much effect on somebody saying I'm going to take your um, your car away from you. Uh, one here, Hugh says, I went to 14 schools, one in Singapore, one in Nairobi during the mid-50s. I was an army kid and dreaded the first days at school, which ended in fights. Oh, right. See, um, we didn't have that because all our schools we went to were army schools. So it didn't make any difference. Some people were out there longer than we were. And so it didn't make any difference at all. We never, we never, blimey, we'd have got into big trouble if we'd had fights at, uh, at school. Um, another one here that says, over the weekend, Brentwood Sensory Garden in King George's Park has been vandalised. And I'm very angry, says Mark. A team of disabled people and their supporters have been working in the garden for over a year, raising £15,000 and doing a lot of the work themselves. I'm so angry that these scum, who for no reason have done it, but we're not going to give up. We need £1,000, but we'll do it. Of course you will. Of course you will. But you do get people who you know, just think be- behaving badly is quite normal. I drove through Tottenham at the weekend on uh, on Saturday. God, what a dump. What a- I thought Hounslow was bad enough. God, blimey, Tottenham t- takes the biscuit. I didn't see one, one police officer. Nobody. Absolutely nobody at all. It's like lawless country. It's terrible. Really dreadful. Uh, I'm going to miss LBC, Steve, because I'm off to Vancouver for three days. Hardly worth bothering, is it, for three days? Take about three days to get there. And also podcast. Everybody can podcast. Uh, Mother of Mine... By the Poole family. No, it was Glyn Poole, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Mother of mine wasn't the Poole family at all, I'm afraid, says Alex. And uh, it was um, Mother of Mine. Who sang Mother of Mine? I can picture him now, but he wasn't the Poole family, I'm afraid. The Poole family were Glyn Poole and Millie Molly Mandy. But uh, Mother of Mine was by... It'll come to bit. Somebody will tell me. Somebody will check these things out because people know very, very quickly, very quickly. Somebody's listening from California, enjoying the show. Of course you would. You're starved of something over there called radio. Because it's a lot of people with funny accents, isn't it? So it's a brilliant, brilliant, gorgeous morning here in sunny L.A. I could never do it, actually. Never do it. Morning, Dan. He's off up early this morning, off out on the buses. Do you get money? Do you get the £500 or is it £1,000? I've lost track of what people are getting for working over the Olympics. And does it only work... Because if they're giving money... I've just thought about this one now. If they're giving money to people working the buses for the Olympics, is that just people driving in London? Or is that people driving in Edinburgh and people driving in Brighton or driving in Twickenham or Richmond? Is that how, is that how it works? Do people there get the money as well? 84850stevenlbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Especially if you go on holiday with your parents. I'd love to know if you go on holiday with your parents or if you go to the same place every year. Because apparently it's, you know, it's, it's the new venture out. People will actually go on holiday with their parents. I don't think it's to save money. I think they just like somebody who's going who's gonna to cook for them while they're away. Um, <laughs> on the self-service tills in Sainsbury's, if you don't push the back button, it doesn't apply your discounts. Well, it isn't a discount. This is, this is them not inputting the right information. Not the right information. Somebody says... Somebody just tweeted, Steve Allen on LBC 97.3, just called Glee, the Jeremy Kyle show with songs. (laughs) I think that's quite a good description, actually. They're all slightly peculiar. It's it's, it's one of those sort of things. It'd be like me 
walking into the studio in the morning and, and Duncan Barks going, Good morning, good morning, it's great to stay... And you're thinking, what the dickens is going on here? I'd start thinking maybe I'd wandered into some horrible musical. And so that's what Glee is like, as far as I'm concerned. It's the Jeremy Kyle show, but they sing. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. A new report is claiming around 7 million people are struggling to feed themselves and their family despite being in full-time work. The coalition government's expected to be formed in Greece later and the Conservative MP for Saffron Walden has criticised Boris Johnson for backing a second. Morning, 12 minutes to six. Mother of mine, of course, as Jeff in Lewisham points out, was a big hit for Neil Reid in 1972. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, we're fighting for it, says Dan. Every bus company operated by TfL want the bonus... Strike Friday. I'm running for garage chairman in the United Elections. Oh, don't do a strike conference. It's bad enough to try and get home today. There's something that's going to screw up Twickenham Railway Station. So I'm not going back there till later on anyway, because I've got interviews to do. But uh, I'm hoping it's sorted out by that time. Otherwise, it's such a long, complicated journey from here. Get on the tube, get to Richmond, get off, get on the bus. Nightmare, it really is. There's a beach hut in the paper today, and it's been bought by a rich family. It would have to be. It's on the tip of Muddiford Spit in Dorset. And it sleeps six, but it's very, very tiny. When I say it sleeps six, I mean standing up. It's that tiny. And they've paid for it. It's 18 feet by 10 feet. You've probably got a parking space that's bigger. £170,000 it's gone for. It's a beach hut. And you've also got to pay £2,500 a year ground rent... Uh, it's got solar panels to provide electricity for lighting and a pump that supplies water from a tap. There's also a tiny kitchen complete with gas oven and a battery-powered fridge. Have you heard of, But no toilet. Where do people go to the toilet who live by the beach? They go in the sea, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they do. They go in the sea. But there's a picture of it here. £170,000. And they've said, bought by a rich family. I thought, well, it wouldn't be bought by a poor family, would it? Poor families look at it and go, how much? I mean, in theory, you can pick up... A three-bedroom detached villa near Glasgow, or a or a a, a grade two listed cottage in uh, Norfolk. What they get here is a bedroom on the ground floor, two single beds in the cramped confines of the roof eaves, a sofa bed, and the living space. It's, I don't know how the, it looks like a, just a giant garden shed, which probably costs somebody the best part of. Uh, I'd be hard pushed to see anybody able to spend any more than eight thousand pounds on it. But they've managed to get £170,000 for it. Oh, dear me. Uh, Shelley says, I forgot to say, pop down to the Admiral Nelson in Witten this Friday, the 22nd, for some rock covers from Presents. Uh, Joe in Northwood says, I've been listening since four as usual. Agree with you on The Voice, because they've cancelled The Voice tour, I think, due to lack of ticket sales. I'd love to know how to... We, we can't find anybody this morning who bought a ticket for it. They're probably sobbing into their handkerchief at the moment. Uh, and Cheryl Cole, too. Thank you for the info on m and I shall be watching my receipts more carefully. And Tom Daly, looking forward to him doing well in the Olympics. I love the idea of Glee and Duncan singing. You could do a melody, though, with him. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Neil Reed says, Graham in High Wycombe. Neil Reed. And uh, somebody says, I'm sure he won Opportunity Knox. Yes, there was a picture of him the other day. There was a picture of him the other day. Um, and uh, he's, he was very young. I think he was about 12 or 13 or 14 when he won Opportunity Knox, singing, Mother of Mine. I think he was Scottish. I think he was Scottish. I couldn't remember, actually. And Shelley says it was Neil Reed. It certainly was. And uh, one I say, I found out through the grapevine, cleaners are getting an extra £400 for the Olympics. Meanwhile, bus drivers are getting nothing. Strike, I say. 
Uh, and Steve says, why do bus and tube drivers want more money? Anybody would think they have to push the damn things. It's a normal shift. Yes, it is. I mean, it's a normal shift. I think they're actually saying it's quite stressful. So, so they want extra money for it. And I think it was £500 or a 1000 I can't remember exactly what it was that they wanted. I don't quite understand, because I don't see that around our way, with all, due, with all due respect to the guys on the buses, it's not going to be any busier around Twickenham Richmond, is it, during the Olympics? In town, it might be busier, but that doesn't... You know, a bus just pulls up, he opens the doors, you get on, you sit down. And that's it. There's no extra work involved. He doesn't have to clean their shoes. People are sort of making out that it, you have to do something, you know, very special. And as far as I know... You don't, you don't have to. You just sort of, you just do your job. Because, I mean, by, by the same token, when the buses are empty, does that mean then you give money back? And the answer is no, of course they don't. Of course they don't. It's quite lucrative, I would have thought, actually. You know, to be a bus driver. I don't know how much bus drivers earn. 35, 40,000 a year? Would that be roughly the same for, uh, for sort of bus drivers? 84850, uk. Traffic in London, chaotic. During the Olympics, the bus drivers will have big problems. Can you imagine a bus full of people and a driver who wants to go to the gents? What a problem. No. Um, you see, I d- I, it doesn't make... But if I was a bus driver, I wouldn't be bothered about sitting in traffic. Because you're still getting paid for it. It's like a taxi driver. The moment that they all drive around getting panicky looking for the fare, the moment they've got the fare, put the feet up. Why would you worry about trying to get anywhere in, in a rush? You wouldn't, would you, really? You'd, you'd be more... You'd more, be more inclined, I suppose... To actually sort of sit there thinking, right, what have I got to do today? Oh, I think I'll listen to LBC. Listen to LBC all the time. Uh, lots of people talking to the paper today about a radical diet to beat arthritis. And so they, they've come up with this. I won't actually go into it, but they say that every year the NHS spend a billion pounds on knee replacement surgery for patients with osteoarthritis. Now, my brother's got a knee condition at the moment, and I think it means that his knees are, are crumbling. They did have a, a film he wanted to show me. I thought, no, thank you very much indeed. And it's a film where they inserted a camera and his knees have become a little bit like calcium and so they're breaking down. I don't know whether it's the years of, of playing football or something. I've really got no idea. Whatever it is, though, it's, it's not very pleasant. And I'm thinking that, that if, if the NHS are spending that much money... In the same way the government are spending... Is it a billion on Trident? On a new submarine? A billion... I'm thinking, wait a minute, we've just had all these cuts in the armed forces... And all of a sudden, the government are now talking about spending a billion pounds on a submarine. And, of course, quite rightly, a lot of MPs are up in arms, saying, why are we wasting a billion pounds? It's a billion-pound contract to build submarines, whereas we've just had these huge redundancies within the armed forces. People who've given of everything, only to be told, we don't want you now. Better go out there in, in the real world and find a job. And, of course, if you've spent your whole life in the forces, coming out to the real world is a bit of a culture shock. A lot of people worry about it. So the idea of spending this billion pounds on nuclear submarines, I didn't quite get why we wanted them. Things were axing people uh, all over the place. Seven cups of tea a day raises the risk of prostate cancer by 50%. Will that stop you drinking tea? I don't drink that much tea anymore. I do drink a little bit, but, but really not as, not as much as I used to. Those people who drank seven more cups a day have a 50% higher risk of contracting the disease than men who had three or fewer. This comes from the University of Glasgow, so it's not one of those uh, quasi-reports that we have to take from the University of Guatemala or something like that. This is people here. Uh, they also say this, uh, this study, which began in 1970... 
Uh, participants were aged between 21 and 75, and they had to undergo a, a general health and a screening examination. And uh, 6.4% developed prostate cancer over the next 37 years. Researchers found that the subjects who drank the most tea were often teetotal and led healthy lifestyles. So it goes to prove it's the healthy lifestyle, which probably isn't as healthy as it could be. Because it's always the healthy people, isn't it? Who sort of, you think to yourself, it's because their, their, their body is such a, f- a, a sort of a peak of fitness that they're almost prone to picking up just about everything that, that's going. So that's, that's the problem for people. That's hence my argument for not being fit. There's no point in being sort of fit and having illness when I can be sort of unfit and no illness. Well, you know, moderate illnesses, moderate illnesses. But the seven cups of tea a day, it would be quite easy to drink seven cups. I'm thinking, if you woke up in the morning, you'd probably have a cup of tea before you got in the shower, before you got dressed. And then when you get to work, first thing you do is... Cup of tea. Paul Cooper and his staff. Every time you go in there, want a cup of tea, Steve? Uh, no, thank you. Cup of tea? Cup of tea? No, thank you. No, it's all on the same day. Cup of tea? No, thank you. Uh, I'm drinking coffee. And I'm probably not supposed to... I mean, I don't know how many cups of coffee you're supposed to drink a day. So I probably, in the course of a day... if I mean, here today, I'll probably have extra coffee. And I'll probably have two large ones from downstairs from Sven. Then I'll probably go to Starbucks and get a coffee there. So in the end of the day, I could have had eight coffees... And I'm totally convinced that eight coffees is not good for you. If seven cups of tea is bad, and they say can increase the risk of prostate cancer, Lord knows what eight cups of coffee is going to be doing to my insides. I don't know. I'm not... And they are... No, they're, they're, that's eight cups, including the double shots. I think two of mine have uh, three three shots in, which is... I mean, some people have more than that. Some people have more than that. The good news is, for all those people who had the breast implants... Um, they don't cause cancer. And, you know, they're no more likely to rupture, they said yesterday, than anything else. So people started panicking. They say, listen, nothing will happen. Now, they say, they're up to six times more likely to rupture, but they don't cause cancer. They're saying, really, they shouldn't be in the human body. And, of course, the answer is no, of course they shouldn't be. It's just ridiculous. I never quite understand why. It's always, you know, you do get a lot of people going in the papers going, oh, I've had this done because I'm glamour model. You know, all this kind of person. You think, but why? Why are you so obsessed with it? You know, is your personality so lacking? That you, I can understand somebody having it. If, you, if you're a person who is flat-chested and you just want to make your bust look a little bit bigger, then you would probably go for something like this. But that's done for medical reasons. If it's done for so-called glamorous reasons, and most glamour models, they really aren't that great-looking. When you see them in the flesh, you'd be so disappointed. You know, by the time they've been airbrushed and their hair has been bouffanted, then they look reasonably passable. See them in real life, you could walk, you, your heart drops, doesn't it? You walk past somebody and you think, I wonder what you do for a living. They pitch up on Big Brother and they go, glamour model. And you know for that, it means that they're not actually a model at all. They're just somebody who's prepared to take all their clothes off for a stranger. That's, that's the definition of a glamour model nowadays. 84850, steve at uk. So we're talking about holidays. We're talking about arthritis as well. If you suffer from arthritis, have you learnt to keep... Apparently, it can be terribly painful for some people. Terribly painful. So, are you, do you get medication for arthritis? Or is it something you've learned to sort out yourself? All of that and more. To the other side of the news. Plus a lovely picture of the travellers who invaded the sports field, but they had the boys in blue to help them open the gate and pr- practically push the wagons on there, which is fantastic. The council leader, Graham Burgess, said we're doing everything possible to stop them getting access to our land in the interests of all the residents because travellers cost money. I don't quite understand. You know, why don't we just kick them out? 
Why can we not kick them out? They're trespassing. They're not supposed to be there. Are there different laws? We're not saying that the police are frightened of travellers, are we? Are we saying that the travellers threaten them? Do they have guns and stuff like that? Do they threaten the police? Goodness knows. I mean, surely there can't be two laws, can there? One for them and one for us. I would hope not. News at six coming up next with Sam Pittis on LBC 97.3. Alan. Actually, I did hear the other day, Joe Longthorne got an MBE from the Queen. I think that's for, uh, I think it's for services to charity, I think. And then somebody else got a, an award. And I remember thinking, how did they, I mean, as, as somebody said, why did um, What's It get it for organising the concert? Because, I mean, that's what he does. He organises concerts, Gary Barlow. And then they, they give him a, an award for that. But they seem to be handing them out. Because it all comes through, as far as I remember, it comes through the Prime Minister's office. So who in earth thought of Joe Longthorne? I've got no idea. We did Joe a while ago. And he's been ill. I mean, I suppose the next thing is we'll probably end up giving something to Jack Osborne. That'll be in the next one round. There's, there's always bound to be something, isn't there? Somebody who's sort of done something. Or I suppose Sharon Osborne for services to... I don't know, actually. Perhaps, I bet you anything she'll make people more aware of MS. She won't let this one lie down and go away. There's no chance. She'll jump on any, any bandwagon, which, is, which could be quite good for the people who suffer from MS because it will draw attention to the fact. She might get stuff done in the same way that, you know, we had the Gurkhas and, and people like that who then get a celebrity attached to them and then and gradually the, the profile goes up. A4A5O, uh, I quite like the award ceremonies. I quite like. I just think we hand them out a bit like dolly mixtures. I'm afraid. I wasn't wasn't sure that everybody would uh, would nearly uh, need anything. Reg says I've been drinking between two to three gallons of tea a day for at least thirty years. My dentist told me the tea is a disinfectant and probably the reason that I have above average condition for my teeth. It's definitely not a disinfectant. It's got tannin in it, which is you see what it does to the inside of teacups. which is absolutely awful. So you can only imagine what it's doing to you as well. Um, oh. Steve, we have serious diversions around Twickenham, Richmond, etc., with road, race and torch relay. Massive headache. Well deserved the money. <laughs> I've, we've got serious diversions around Twickenham. I know, I've seen the uh, thing. It's only for a day, though, isn't it? Is it just for a day? I think I'll stay in bed for that day and just take a tablet. Uh, 8 for 850. Uh, Holly's had a dreadful night with thumping headaches. Made it a bit more bearable this morning hearing the show. What's happening to the buses this Friday? Are they on strike? I hope not. I hope not. No, they'll, it, it will all be sorted out, actually. Um, bet you Pete uh, Waterman gets a gold. Oh, Pete Waterfield gets a gold and not daily. Peter trains six hours a day, isn't interested in the fame and glory. Peter dives for the love of the sport and retires after the Olympics, says Gary. And uh, Steve says, you're right, every time I pump to Gerald's, the butcher, first thing he says is I'll put the kettle on. I know, people are obsessed with a cup of tea now, aren't they? It's the British way. It's the British way. And so people people do get cups of tea. What about us workers in London? We don't get any extra money, says Dawn, but we lose time as it makes the journey longer, which isn't our fault, but some company don't don't care. Yes, I mean, I, I just don't know why, why we all can't have money. I'd quite like some more money. Police officers are not allowed any more leave from now until the Olympics are over. We aren't getting any bonuses. And, uh, and Dean says, a private hire company, which has drivers, doesn't offer a bonus or any sort of concession to its fleet of 3,600 drivers over the Olympic periods. Healthy, heart up and diabetes. Steve? Yes, well, there, well, I don't, well, I don't class that as being anything particularly major, I'm afraid. Um, uh, no mention 
that all leave for transport workers have been cancelled during the uh, duration of the Olympics. That's why they're striking. Steve, if you get an extra 2,000 listeners today, do you get a £500 bonus? Well, I'll have a word with them. I'm sure the manager will be thrilled for that. Cause if I get an extra 2,000 listeners, which, of course, is entirely feasible. It's very, very easy to get that. If I get more people downloading, could I get a £500 bonus? That's I should do that, actually. I'm sure that some people have got performance-related... But it's a bit difficult for me, because I'd be just up every year. It'd be too embarrassing. Every time it came for another pay round, I'd be getting more money each and every time, which would be quite nice. Uh, the traffic in London, Steve, will be chaotic. And you want to know how much bus drivers earn between eighteen and 25000 Is that before... Over time, that, is that before all the bonuses, the extras for sort of working different, different days? I didn't know that police officers aren't allowed any leave until after the Olympics are over. But a lot of police officers will actually make a lot of money, won't they? I would have thought so. Uh, I don't do holidays either. Lots of my friends don't understand, Steve. I try and explain. I'm on holiday every day. I don't need to escape. I have a great work-life balance. I love my home. Paid a lot of money for it. Why would I want to leave it when I've got some time off? There are so many places to go near my home. Restaurants I want to try. I don't do sunbathing. And the best bit is, at 46, my skin is wonderful due to no holidays. I look ten years younger than most of my friends. That is worth far more. Because they're now saying that more and more people go away with their families. More and more people go away. And, and I'm suggesting that the sort of people who would actually go away with their families would have a holiday villa to go to. The, you know, you, you do get a lot of... People going to holiday villas. And they would all sit there and then somebody... Of course, it's not really a holiday for mum, is it? Because it means that mum has to do the cooking and the cleaning and everything else. But really, you want to go away to a place where it is going to be a holiday for mum. Good news is, if you've just woken up at uh, ten past six, the BBC have cancelled the voice tour due to lack of interest. We, we thought it was imminent. I'd been looking the other day when they'd mentioned the fact that tickets weren't shifting. I think one of the papers had hinted that the tickets weren't selling. And I thought, well, why would you want to go and see something that didn't get an audience on the television? Perhaps they were hoping. I mean, it's been very difficult to get audience. There's a lot of West End shows are suffering at the moment. They need people to book to go in and see them to keep them open because people are suffering because the recession is biting in a lot of people's uh, camps. And people are saying, we just can't afford to do that. So we're cutting back. And I, I just saw, saw, saw the, uh, the voice as being shameless in their exploitation of eight people who we really didn't care about. I couldn't name you three of them in, in, the, in the... I couldn't name you... Couldn't name anybody in it. I know who some of the judges were, because I've repeated the judges' names to myself, so I know the judges' names, but the people who won it, or the, or the, the girl who won, I, would, I couldn't tell you her name now. Somebody could offer me a million pounds on the table. I could sit here and stare out the window, and I still wouldn't have the faintest idea. And the reason is, it's because the programme had no impact, and that's why nobody was buying tickets for the tour. But to cancel it, Lord knows what that must have cost. Lord knows. And in Peckham, uh, doctors on strike... Buses on Friday, bad weather back on Thursday. Is there any more doom and gloom that we can plan for the week? How about a holiday? And then again, the airport staff may give up the will due to the queues. The tubes you don't have... Yes, I know. It does seem like that, doesn't it? I find it entertaining, though. Don't you, don't you find it mildly amusing? The people come to you and they go, Oh, we're, we're going to go to London on holiday. And you go, there's no tubes. <laughs> no, no doctors. When we get on a bus, no, no buses. No, people will be rude to you. Don't eat any of the hot dogs that they're selling on the streets. Filthy vermin the people are that serve them. And um, what else we got? Oh, people thieving from you. Oh, heavens above. Welcome to London. Come on in. Come on in, please. It's wonderful. I teach, says Elaine, childcare courses. And I've just heard the item on the news. The level three we run through, an official awarding body, is one set by the government to replace a perfectly good course from the awarding body that was the same as level three A-levels um, was enough UCAS points for us for uni. 
However, the government one we now have to run is dumbed down and not worth half the points, so why are they complaining? Uh-huh. And Flo says it's all in the genes. Nothing to do with cups of tea. These researchers always contradict each other's findings. Yes, well, well the, I should imagine they actually do, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Lots of jokes about the... Uh, about the breast implants. A lot of people are saying, why do people have them done? And the answer is, I said before, some people have them done for purely cosmetic reasons because somebody said, oh, if, if you've got big, big bosoms, then you can be a glamour model. The fact that you can't speak, of course, is a bit embarrassing, and that's why half the cast of The Only Way is Essex are a little bit of an embarrassment. There's a picture today of poor Joey Essex. I was going to save him for my free podcast a little bit later on. Joey Essex was drunk in a club trying to nibble his, uh, his male friend's ear. And apparently the, the male friend turned around and hit him. So uh, it's all looking a bit bad, I'm afraid, isn't it? Not looking so good for poor little Joey Essex. LBC 97. Morning, 17 minutes past six. I have to save the review. It's Ali Ross, actually. I got it wrong. It wasn't Jim Shelley who's done a great review on uh, poor Mark Wright. Although there was a bit of a schedule clash this week. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, Mark Wright's Hollywood Nights... Uh, clashed with An Idiot Abroad. I'm not sure whether or not it was exactly the same programme, but, I mean, there's a whole a whole piece in Ali Ross's column today. In fact, it's the main thing of just, he says, the worst programme that's ever been on the television. So shame, really, because Mark Wright's ego is only increased by his shoe size, and he obviously thinks he's some big talent to contend with, whereas, in fact, unbelievably, you know, this man is so boring... He couldn't meet anybody at all. He's just got this naff, cheesy smile, which unfortunately turns everybody off. It's, it's just, it's so ghastly, this programme. It's just, it almost doesn't, doesn't, you know, doesn't bear watching, I'm afraid. Random TV irritations. Philip and Holly turning this morning into one long private joke. They do, have you noticed that? that it, it's, I, I don't mind people laughing on television. I find it quite infectious. But sometimes they'll just start laughing about something. And I think Philip Schofield... It's obviously got, you know, he's about as big as a, you know, he, he could have been a munchkin in The Wizard of Oz. He's about as big as that. Very tiny little person. And, um, and when him and Fern did it, sometimes they would sit there and laugh and we were all in on the joke. But when it's with sort of Holly, who quite clearly, I mean, I don't know what they talk about all the time. But I did mention earlier on, and I'm sorry to announce that Mr and Mrs is coming back, although they're going to put some gay couples on there. So it could be, you know, Mr and Mr or Mrs and Mrs. And it's only going to be. Holly, it's only going to be Philip Schofield doing it. They're not going to be using Fern. I don't know why. She was the mainstay of the programme. Perhaps she was the only one who was quite right in that half the couples they put on at some point weren't even married. They were just shacked up together, which was a little bit embarrassing, I'm afraid. A little bit embarrassing. Oh, Talisa has dumped her boyfriend. We'll do more on that in the free podcast a little bit later on this morning. Name-calling in schools apparently is very common. It's often, often dismissed, according to a new a new Ofsted report into bullying, as just banter. Because I think that's what it is. I think kids are like that. I don't think kids know that they're being horrible. They just, they just sort of do it, oh, you're, you're this, you're that. It found that pupils are using insults relating to sexuality, intelligence, race, appearance and family circumstances, with some saying it was acceptable if the words were being used between friends. Because I was watching this programme, this club reps the other night, and it's two friends on holiday, supposedly friends, and then it's two girls from Newcastle or something like that, and obviously drink got the better of them, and one tries to kiss the other one, because there's a camera there, and because there's boys egging them on, and it was all a little bit sad and pathetic, and they were both sad and pathetic, Well, the other girl quite clearly took umbrage and punched her friend in the face. 
don't ever do that again, she said to me. And the other girl went, oh, don't you talk to me like... And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness me. And we put this in it classes now as television entertainment, which makes you realise that unless we'd had a punch-up on The Voice, it was never going to get an audience. Unless somebody was going to go up to Will I Am and lay him out and sort of throw... throw wish they had, actually, and throw Tom Jones on top of him. And, you know, that would have made it marginally more interesting. But there was no... There was no aggression. There was no action on the programme. And that's what you need. You need a bit of uh, a bit of sort of oomph. Coming up with Nick Ferraro this morning, it'd be quite a bit of oomph, I should imagine, between uh, seven and ten. David Wooding, former political editor at the News of the World, will be live in the studio looking through the papers. Uh, reporters now suggesting those working with young children need more qualifications. Absolutely. They'll talk to the chief executive for children. That's Anne Longfield, OBE. And um, another one here, the London School striking against the Academy bid. And the parents are supporting the strike. So they'll talk about that. The long-term youth unemployment soaring. And uh, the England football match tonight, the look-ahead. I'm afraid it's left me cold. I'm afraid anything to do with football. People say to me, oh, will you be watching... I was in my local MS the other day, and one of the girls in there said, will you be watching the football? I looked at her in disbelief, and I, I said, I don't think so, no. She said, do you not like football? I said... I don't think so, no. I'm afraid I'm not quite into football. You know, if it was nude over 35 leapfrog, then uh, I'm, I'm up for it, but uh, certainly not football at all. Uh, Name-calling, they were talking to Tim Francis, who's a chartered educational psychologist, and also the Earl's Court Exhibition Centre at risk of demolition. I heard it was going to be turned into a, into a giant casino. That's what I heard they were going to do with Earl's Court. Although, to be honest with you, I mean, they're always pulling places down in London, aren't they? They're always sort of saying, oh, I'll tell you what we'll do now. Let's, let's, let's pull this building down and we'll put that up in its place. And I always think, no, no, leave stuff. Leave it alone. Although the site that Earl's Court is on, you could put up some really super-duper houses. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. When doctors go on strike... Says Gaz, I hope they don't waste their time making signs and placards, as the only people who'll be able to read them will be the pharmacist. Thank you very much indeed. It's a very old one. Uh, Tony says, if bus drivers get an Olympic bonus, shouldn't road sweepers and traffic wardens? Well, I said that the other day. I said I thought that roads... Not round our way, but I think that road sweepers... Some of our roads... We have some good road sweepers round our way, and we have some bone-idle road sweepers. They have breaks, like, every 15 minutes. They spend more time on breaks than sweeping rubbish. I mean, the place is, is really quite, uh, quite messy, I'm afraid. Insulation tape was the tape to get rid of warts. Uh, Jane, yes, it's the black tape. Black tape. Tony says, bus and train drivers don't like it. All construction sites and works within four miles of the Olympic Stadium have to be closed from June to September. That means 11,000 self-employed people have no work and they want a bonus. Yes. And, uh, and Nick says, I'm a police officer, Steve, working in the Olympics. We have the pleasure of having our shifts and days off changed to cover it and save money. I am not impressed. Bonus payments for bus drivers. They can only carry the legal amount of passengers. So uh, here's a wild idea. Call extra shifts over time and pay that those who want to work, says Lynn in Bushy. Yes, I suppose you could do that. Yes, I suppose you could do that. Uh, Joseph says, I like it when you talk about the only way is Essex and how stupid the people are. But what about the only way is Marbs? Which is which is Towie version two? Yes, it's exactly the same people. Only they just took them on holiday and they had to. I don't know what they were doing with them. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't see the program. I, I tried to stay well away from it. I just caught one little bit of it, and that was quite enough to make me feel fairly fairly ill. Um, third cup of tea this morning for John, diagnosed with prostate cancer six years ago. Very successful treatment. This is the story in the paper that says that if you drink more than 
seven cups of tea a day, you increase your risk of getting prostate cancer. He said, all my follow-up checks gave me a clean bill of health, though I'm still a heavy tea drinker. I agree with one of your listeners. There is a genetic factor involved. My father died from it at 73, and my brother had it and died at 72. I've done family research and see from my grandfather's death certificate, he also had problems down below indicating an enlarged prostate. So so what we're saying is that the evidence that you submit backs up what the experts are saying, that drinking cups of tea... And uh, and drinking too many. So it doesn't just matter if you like one or two cups of tea, but seven cups of tea a day is seen as excessive. And I reckon, I reckon, because we are known, the British, as a nation of tea drinkers, that it would be quite easy, wouldn't it, to just drink yourself into oblivion. I mean, by the time you've actually come to work, you could have done three cups of tea. And I see people sitting there on the, the train with, with cups of tea. We've, we've become the nation of hot drink drinkers. So every time you go to the station, there's about 20 places at Waterloo where you can get a cup of coffee. You can get them all over the place. You can get them here, Leicester Square. Every single place will actually do, you know, some sort of takeaway coffee. And it's, and it's very lucrative for them. That's why coffee shops very rarely go, go under, because they're selling overpriced cups of coffee. You know, £2.75 for a little bit of frothy milk and some coffee essence isn't exactly... Isn't exactly the best thing. Joanne says, do you like foie gras? No, I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever had it. I don't like the implication, I'm afraid, of holding a, a duck's neck out and force-feeding it. It just doesn't, doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. I think in California it's been banned, actually, if I, if I remember correctly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing the things I can remember sometimes. Sometimes I get, I get like, words appearing in my head. And I, and I, and I think, because the moment I said foie gras, I remember thinking, banned in California. And I remember thinking, you know, that's a good, Although, to be honest with you... It's so hot over there. What duck is going to willingly hold its neck up and be force-fed? I mean, it's boiling over there. There's a lovely picture of the paper today of a farmer in wherever it is, Guangdong province, taking his ducks to the local pond. Because he doesn't... How many has he got? 5,000. He has to take them down the centre of the street. He has to take 5,000 ducks down there. And I thought that was quite a pleasing... Uh, <laughs> quite a pleasing picture. I quite liked it, actually. Although I was, I was counting them, going, I don't think there's 5,000 ducks there. But, uh, yes, I think they've actually bad foie gras. I'm not sure if you can actually get foie gras all over the place. I'm not sure if you can still buy it in certain places. Is it, is it, it's a bit like, it's not like pate, is it? Yeah, I, I think you can, the, the, you have to get a licence. You can import it and sell it. Right. But you can't make it over here. I, I was thinking the other day, I'm sure, when I was thinking about foie gras, I think, if memory serves me, you can't make it here, but you can bring it in. So presumably it comes in from France. Which about the only where they have all sorts of things. I don't think the, Fran- the, the, the French people care about stuff like that. They still have veal crates, so why would they be worried about a few, few sort of uh, geese? I'm afraid. Uh, Kaz says uh, the race is over. Two days, 28th and 29th of July, right? So that's when we, we, we're going to need to start worrying. And Joe in Northwood says Menorca is nice for a holiday. And also this country in Scotland, lovely places to go to. We can ignore. You know, the rain. Agree with you on some honours. Hand it out like dolly mixtures. But I'm glad that Joe Longthorne got an honour. Used to be a very good entertainer. If I can't afford a holiday, I go to see the Burkhoff play with Neil Stook. Six actors in search of a director. Yes. Thank you, Joe. And uh, David Wooding on uh, Nick's show today, looking at the papers. You're quite right, actually. We did talk to Stephen Burkhoff about it. And Neil Stook we have uh, spoken to before. Finally, let's have a quick look at the papers, the front pages, to see what they're all saying this morning. Uh, so Nick and the team with you just after news at seven. We've got a free podcast for you a little bit later on. I'll read out the whole of, uh, of Ali Ross's comments on, 
on the, the Mark Wright show, it gets panned by every single critic. There is nobody that likes it at all, I'm afraid, which is a bit of a shame. I think he thought it was going to be a saving grace, but it's so lame, the programme. It, it, it really is. It's, it's limping to get an audience, badly, I'm afraid. Daily Mirror. Rue will see us through. The top cricketer, Tom Maynard, died when he was hit by a tube after fleeing police. It's a strange story. Police for a dumped TV jack. Uh, the Sun this morning, come on England, they've got a picture of Wayne Rooney. Luckily not showing his very laughable hair on the front page, which is always quite funny as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Daily Express, Kate such a dream in cream. And a simple diet could end the misery of arthritis for millions of sufferers. Doctors uh, will still be paid when they go on strike. And the Metro today... The flash of pants, UEFA have, uh, have dished out an £80,000 fine because a footballer decided very unwisely to take some money from, uh, from a gambling company and advertise them, and he got fined £80,000. So there is a god. Have a lovely day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning after the news. Susan Bookbinder is here with the morning news.